language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch 50 Shades of Grey. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What's up, Jason? Not much. How about you? I'm good, man. What are you drinking? Uh, an ultralight beer today. Cool. Also joining us today is Mugga. How you doing, Mugs? What's up, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? Uh, Valentine's Day. I got the red wine. That's right, man. And also joining us today is Erica. Erica, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm doing great. What are you drinking today? I am drinking Carl Strauss's Isomerizer IPA. Sounds very, very delicious. And finally, joining us today is Holly. Holly, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Can I bring up one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Those two, this is the first time you guys have been on a podcast together, because you've both been guests, right? This is the first time together, yes. right? terrible this idea. Is, this is going to be interesting, because they're my best friends. Best friends in yeah. the entire world. All right, here we, here we go. My soulmate. <laughs> All right, so today we're Wait, talking about- Wait, how come I don't get to say what I'm drinking? Oh, well, nobody cares. <laughs> She's drinking a wonderful white wine to spice up this. Delicious Sauvignon Blanc. Is that what you're drinking? Yeah. Okay, cool. it's, a right. it's got lemon in it, so it's my favorite thing. All right. So today we're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey, Here released <laughs> February 13th, 2015, produced by Focus Features, Michael DeLuca Productions, and Trigger Street Productions, and it's distributed by Universal Pictures. It stars Dakota Johnson, Jamie Dornan, Jennifer L., and Marsha Gay Harden. It's directed by Sam Taylor Johnson and written by Kelly Marcel. So before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga, why don't you hit us with the financials? Uh, so this is an interesting movie financially. Um, I have costing roughly around $40 million. Like you said, February 13th, it came out. Obviously, Valentine's Day season, all that. It was 2015, right? That's what I got. Domestically, it made 166, but foreign, 405. So this literally was a half a million and plus, 57.1 is what I got. Opening weekend, 85 million. I think they marketed it well, which we'll get into all that stuff. It only really had to compete against, from what I could see, uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service. I don't know, I never saw that movie, but that's what it went up against. Other notable movies that it was going on against was uh, Birdman and American Sniper. But those were not in its opening weekends as well. But um, yeah, $571 million is what this film had made, 85 opening weekend. I even went as far as looking up the other movies, because there's more than one of them, you know. Um, this surprisingly, like, dominates all of them. I mean, this is the highest grossing one out of them, 571. There's two other ones, Darker and Freed. 381 for Darker is what I got total, as well as Freed is 371. Mm -hmm. So this one was its biggest success. Obviously, it started the whole franchise and all that stuff. But, uh, but I mean, it, it did make a lot of money. But I, I think they marketed it well, and then they planned it. You know, I mean, against movies, there was no competition, but yeah. Yeah, if there's one thing I'll, I'll give this movie props about is they did market the hell the, out I, re, I mean, yeah. we'll get into experiences, but I remember the buzz about this so big. All right, Jason, so why don't you tell us what the people thought about this movie? Well, real quick, before I get into that, at the time I was working at a big box store, and I heard that the book's sales were like 70 or 80% of the total sales for the, for books in the store. So this was like a huge craze with people. When we look at the trailer, I don't know if you guys read this as well or if you guys have any input, but in the first week, there was 100 million views of yeah. just the trailer alone. And it was the most viewed trailer at the time, right? Yes, yeah. 2014. Yeah. Do you know what movie trailer passed it eventually? 
Know what? Avengers: Age of Ultron is what I got. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But I heard this was a huge trailer. Like yeah, but yeah, I never got, watched uh, it. But yeah, it got a uh, hundred million views like, in the first week alone <laughs> back in 2014, and uh, that was about six and a half months before it was released. By the time the movie was released, it had like uh, 193 million views just on YouTube. So people were going crazy for this thing, apparently. But, okay, so the reason why this trailer was successful, I mean, I think people were anticipating it. I never read the books, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I never read it either. But, like, Beyonce, I thought she did, like, a song dedicated she to this. Or crazy she did Crazy in Love acoustic in a slowed-down version, and it was perfect for the movie did trailer. Did you watch that trailer? Yes. Yes. Did, how many times? Uh, of those million views, I was probably about 100 times. of them. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, spicing up that. All right, here we go. So, to kind of reel it back in, um, we, <laughs> we look at how the audience accepted it. Uh, tomato meter has it at 25%, so they rated it a 4.2 out of 10 with 267 right. votes. Yeah, I agree. So, 67 people said it was fresh, and 200 gave it a rotten rating. How fresh, like? It, it, it's just, like, <laughs> like Summer's Eve fresh? Or? Like, <laughs> audience like. gave it 41%. <laughs> Anastasia so, Steel Virgin Okay, Fresh, so I'm or? sorry, just to recap. So the critics gave it 25%. Gave it 25%. And the audience gave it 41%. Well, 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 25% of people thought it was fresh. Fresh. And then 41% of... Audience. Audience gave it, it fresh. Okay. They, they, okay. they liked it. So they gave it, the audience gave it a 2.9 out of 5 with 83, over 83,000 votes. You got IMDb. It got a 4.1 out of 10 with 274,000 votes. When you look at it from an age perspective and gender, so when you look at males, males didn't give it over a four. So we got a 4.1 total there. When you look at every demographic from under 18, 18 to 25, 25, every demographic that IMDb gives, no group of males gave it over a four. When you look at females, interestingly enough, Females under 18 gave it the highest with 6.2 as an average. Because under they're 18? not getting laid. And this is what's really disturbing about all No, <laughs> Just go right into it. Yeah, don't, don't no. even hold back. Wow. <laughs> well, obviously they're not. This is like their sexual fantasy. Like, let's be real. Like, how many people in high school are legit getting laid? They're not. Right? Correct? Yeah, they lie about it a lot. They lie about yeah. it a lot. So, obviously, this is a movie that they're seeing. And they're like, oh, this is what sex is like. Newsflash. No, it's not. Carry on. <laughs> I want to hear the other demographics. Well, the other, the only one I have because they were all pretty similar. So, the other demographics are again, you know, above eighteen, I believe twenty five, and it goes on up and up. But all the other ones were between a four point eight and four point nine. So everyone else above that gave it much lower. So really, less I than fifty percent. Though older women, like no, I'm, older women have experienced sex. So we I know. get that, yeah, but like, know. no, I'll be honest with you guys. I thought the same thing. Yeah. So I was expecting women, you know. Maybe twenty-five and above, thirty and above, married forty and, and above, that, married. Right? Yeah. Again, this is a, again. This book was a huge success. I guess there was five books, but they oh, they, yeah. they were a huge success. I, it's interesting that I mean I don't see a lot of you know kids in high school. I mean I guess you're doing some reading and you're doing a lot of schoolwork, but I mean I, I don't know if it's just a movie. I don't know if they were really intrigued by the book so much, but I think I think, like, this I think movie the movie came is very look, different than the book. So can, so, yeah. can like, we talk movies. about? Let's just get at Holly. You have read the books, right? I read all. Has five. anyone else read any of these books? No, I no, have. I, I have not. not. Hell no. Yeah. I don't read. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Carry on. She can barely write her name. I can still okay. barely write my name. That's why I go by EP. So she Holly, learns. I mean, the books, give us a quick little, I mean. No, so you were actually surprised to learn that there was five books. Yeah, because there's Even, three movies. There's three movies. So there's three storylines. So it's Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, and then Fifty Shades Freed. Of the movies. But, yes, yeah. of the movies. And so of the stories. And so when you get into the books, 
there's the three books. But what E.L. James did is she released Grey, which is of the narrative of Christian Grey. And then she did Freed, which is Fifty Shades Freed from Christian Grey's narrative. So you can see the two storylines. So Anastasia is the one that does Fifty Shades of Grey, the original series. And then the two subsequent books after the three releases are from Christian Grey's narrative. So it's pretty interesting to see it from his side his side and her side. Okay. So you get two different perspectives. You get the male perspective and you get the female perspective. But yeah, just, I mean, just to round out, I mean, again, back to Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, 25% from the critics. I feel like it's pretty fair. Uh, audience, 41%. I I, I don't know. The, the weirdest thing, like I said, we were kind of talking about that the females under 18 with IMDb, I just, it's just it's such a weird thing. And I don't know if it's because of the books or because of the movie. Well, yeah, I, mean, I want to know. Who's letting their under 18 But I don't know, Holly, because you've read these books. I mean, when you when you hear that, do you think these girls are reading the books and then watching the movie? Or do you think they're just seeing the movie and they're going to watch it? I think they're just seeing the movie. That's I feel like if you've, if you've, like, we'll get into this later, but I feel like when you compare... And obviously I'm looking at this from my background is I'm an English literature major. And so I read these books. And so I've taken classes of like literature to movies and like how you adapt a book to a movie and how the source material affects it. I think reading the books and watching the movies is a very different play. But if you just watch the movies, I can see how you would be like enraptured in the whole story and romanticized about the whole ideal. But I don't think that the under 18 demographic actually read the books and did, did the did, backstory. I mean, did you like the books? Are you asking me this from like a personal point or like a, like <laughs> not, the reason why I'm saying this, I, I mean, I have to give him credit. When I, when the buzz about this, I have a friend that I work mm-hmm. with, um, English teacher reads a lot, all that. He said he read parts of the literature and he said the literature is awful. It's terrible. Okay. I just make it genuinely yeah. I have to give him credit. David Niss. Yeah. He said it just, it's God awful. From an English literature standpoint, I read these books and from a standpoint of somebody that appreciates literature and appreciates the English word written, it's trash. trash. It's, I, I, it's, it's an easy read, but from a writing standpoint, I would give it a 25%, like kind of what the critics did. It's an indulgent read. It's an, it's a, it's BDSM for dumb people. Yeah. It's BDSM for dummies. Like it's something that just appeals to every single like female fantasy that you have of being it's an just, average girl attracting a billionaire that wants that to bang is like you, a like CSI episode. Just, so you think? So you? I guess we could say like this is kind of a, a shallow representation or a shallow romanticization. Romanticization, I guess. Is the word. <laughs> We're making uh, up words. Yeah, it's like it a, works. it's like a it's like a shallow perspective on maybe romanticizing what sex is or could be but not necessarily in like a good way. It's it's a very shallow representation of what the perfect relationship or the perfect sex life I don't, is. I don't think perfect relationship or perfect sex life reels into it because I think the book explores a lot of like her own internal conflict, dealing with somebody that's so emotionally closed off as he is and like coming into this with her sexual experience, which is none, I feel she navigates it. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, I think when you have a large group of, I guess, underage females that kind of rate it so high, kind of what Jason is bringing up, you know, one of the dangers is that because they don't have a lot of experience in that realm, they will tend to romanticize those things the same way that, you know, a lot of boys 
kind of romanticize, you know, being the gung-ho male beat him up type of guy. Right. I think kind of not having any sort of real life experience at such a young age, you kind of see this and think, oh, this is adult. Right. You know, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be or, you know, something like that. I agree with you. It's like your modern day, modern day Disney princess movie. I I think it's interesting though that you have the English background that you are and you're saying this is not, but Jason's saying like 75% of the book sales were for this book. But I don't think those young girls are buying these books. It's the older. No. So that's what's really interesting about But you're saying this, the literature's awful, right? I mean, just... Studying what I've studied and then reading these books, they're an easy read. And by that, I mean, it's just... Like, there are excerpts from this book that, like, I literally have, ty- like, written out to tell you guys how bad it is. <laughs> I can't wait. And I'm excited. I'm I, in for it. At times, I'm just reading this, and I'm like, oh, my God, the grammar's terrible, the syntax is terrible, everything. But it's an easy read. And I, like I said, I've read all five books. I could have stopped the first one, but they're... Yeah, like, nobody's here for the, you know, for the writing prowess of no the author. Way. They're, here, okay. they're here for the But for I, the feel like you guys are, you, yeah. I feel like you guys are giving this movie, like, I can already tell you guys don't like it, and I can already tell you guys are uncomfortable by the content, but I was telling... Erica today Debatable. that you guys are <laughs> no but it's it's very closely linked to the source material and by source material I mean the books mm-hmm. and the books themselves weren't that good so the movie is doing the best it can with what it's got well that's the whole issue for me at least and we're probably going to dive into this deeper but I've never read the books i never wanted to, never had interest in it. A lot of females that read the books that I know, I like to joke about it, and I know this is not true for you, and sorry, (laughs) Rick and Gail, (laughs) and Rick and Jackie, but I have always joked about that females that enjoyed these books and enjoyed these movies had a very vanilla sex life. They have a very vanilla sex life, and I feel like people were so in tuned, and it's such an easy read, as Holly was saying, is because it was something that they've never experienced before and so it enthralled them they were like oh yeah like this is the shit we want to get into right but it's realistically that doesn't happen yeah again just to kind of sum up the reviews and stuff like that i was just surprised to see that demographic really giving it a high rating i wasn't nor am i a super avid reader so i i was curious if this was you know females under the stage like reading the books and anticipating the film and liking it or if it was really just off of the film so yeah um, but it, it still is an interesting statistic that you know they gave it the highest rating yeah. of any other demo male or female so under 18 so it's just it's just interesting that's all well if you're a male you have a lot to live up to as <laughs> christian gray with that horse crop yeah imagine if this guy didn't have a lot of money and i don't mean to jump oh, we'll the gun right yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll yeah we'll get to that i have a whole list of christian okay, gray okay. i'm right. putting it out there a little teaser <laughs> <laughs> All right, so getting into behind the scenes, uh, you know, as we discussed, Fifty Shades of Grey uh, is an erotic romance novel series written by E.L. James. E.L. stands for Erica Leonard. I thought you were going to say Erica Lynn. I got nervous. <laughs> I was like, you knew I wrote this book. <laughs> um, so it includes uh, the books in the series that Holly mentioned. Um, so Fifty Shades of Grey actually started out as Twilight fan fiction. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, fan fiction involves taking an existing IP or franchise and creating original stories using the same characters or settings. In 2008, E.L. James saw Twilight and ended up reading and rereading the books, eventually falling in love with the series. She loved the Twilight series so much, she ended up writing her own erotic fan fiction stories starring Edward and Bella titled Master of the Universe and posted them on fanfiction.net under the pseudonym Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. 
another one. Is that you? It just gets worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Some of the stuff she wrote uh, was a little too adult and actually had to be removed from the site. James then created her own website called 50shades.com where she could post her original stories and she eventually renamed the title characters Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele, eventually evolving into the 50 Shades of Grey novel that exists today. Within a year, she sold about 30,000 ebook copies of her erotic novel. Over time, people took notice, and in March 2012, she signed a seven-figure book deal. Fifty Shades of Grey ended up selling 10 million copies in six weeks, with 70 million copies sold worldwide by the end of 2012. Amazon UK reported in 2012 that it had sold more copies of Fifty Shades than the entire Harry Potter series combined. This is horseshit. That is, yeah, that's <laughs> it is, that it basically is. just confirms what Jason's saying. That, that's crap, dude. But no, yeah. but when you compare the okay, but when I'm gonna I'm gonna put up for my favorite series in the entire world, I feel like Harry 50 Potter. Fifty Shades of Grey. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, Harry Potter. I'm gonna say Harry this is Potter. Fifty Shades Harry, of fucked up. Harry man. Potter came out before Fifty Shades of Potter. The Amazon <laughs> hype was real. Harry Potter came out before Amazon was what we know of that's Amazon today, and. It, Harry Potter sold print copies, so let's put up for our favorite series. Yeah, here. this is just Amazon UK. We're not right. talking about you know every retailer. Wait, what do you mean by print copies? Like obviously books. They're saying Amazon UK said in 2012 it had just sold more copies than the entire Harry Potter series combined. So this isn't Amazon. This isn't every retailer. It's just Amazon right. UK okay. saying that for that one year it had already sold more more copies of that series. Than I can the understand that. Series. Yeah, I can from from like. A print copy versus yeah, so it's just, digital it's just debate. One, yeah. It's just one region of Amazon. I'm just okay. trying to put it for Harry Potter. Eric and I both are. So. Yeah. All right. So as of 2015, uh, the first novel, Fifty Shades of Grey, has sold over 125 million copies worldwide. Um, the book was so successful, it sparked an entire genre known as mommy porn. Uh, in oh, quotes. <laughs> and uh, it sparked a general interest in uh, erotic literature worldwide. I, I really wish this podcast was video so you could see our faces when some of this information is like coming out. Like it's comical Jason's face right now. <laughs> Mommy porn. Yeah. Mommy so, porn. Jason is into it. I don't know what you're talking about. He's biting his Jason lip. Jason is Christian Grey. Jason Lucas will see you now. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say any of that. Fucking <laughs> Lucas. Absolutely. Fucking Lucas. <laughs> All right, keep going. Uh, because um, Fifty Shades of Grey started off as fan fiction, uh, there was a lot of backlash regarding E.L. James' success, especially in the fan fiction community, because one of the main rules when writing fan fiction is that you're not supposed to profit from it because you're using an existing IP that belongs to somebody else. On the plus side, her success has created an interest in fan fiction writers from literary publishers. So, you know, because of Fifty Shades of Grey, um, you know, publishers are looking at websites like fanfiction.net and, you know, other online avenues to, to kind of find the next E.L. James, if you will. Regarding the book being made into the movie, in 2013, multiple studios were trying to get the film rights to the book series with Warner Brothers, Sony, Paramount, Universal, and even Mark Wahlberg's production company all competing for the rights. In an interview with Access Hollywood, Wahlberg said that he was having conversations about the film rights even before E.L. James had an agent, 
And he said that even if the movie was good or bad, it was going to be a phenomenon regardless. Yeah, he, he saw the future of this like brand, right? I mean, yeah. that's what I get, yeah. Universal ended up securing the movie rights, producing it through Focus Features with Kelly Marcel picked to handle the screenwriting. Some of Marcel's writing credits include Saving Mr. Banks and Venom, and she was actually also a script editor on Bronson, starring Tom Hardy. I, I also read that there was a, a gentleman, uh, Barrett Ellis, who wrote American Psycho, and he expressed interest in doing this. That would have been a weird... That would have been a trip. Yeah, I don't... Because American Psycho is a trip of a movie in oh, and of itself. 100%. But yeah, I know Kelly Marcel ended up doing it, but I just I thought that was interesting. Like he, like, when he read that they were going to make this from a book to a movie, that he was like, oh, I'll, I'll do that. Like He expressed a lot of interest in doing it, but they... Could they you imagine Christian Grey in a mirror just flexing as he's banging it in a steel, like... On American Psycho. No, yes. I can't Problems. imagine that. I can't imagine that. <laughs> no, American Psycho. I think. No, we know what you're talking I, about. I don't know, but. but the way this movie is shot, I don't know. It, he probably would have done a, a yes, better. Yes, I uh, did the rest as I was making that yeah. statement. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Carmen. Keep going. <laughs> uh, shit. I had, a, I had a tap out for a second. <laughs> Can we take a break? <laughs> Can we take a break? All right, let's take a break. Yeah. She literally is like. <laughs> Welcome back to Fifty Shades of Grey. All right, let's <laughs> let's get back into uh, behind the scenes. All right, so um, some of the directors in line to direct Fifty Shades of Grey were Patty Jenkins, who did Monster and Wonder Woman, Joe Wright, who did The Darkest Hour, Pride and Prejudice. Bill Condon, who did uh, the last two Twilight movies and Beauty and the Beast. Steven Soderbergh, who did the Oceans trilogy. Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, and Magic Mike, along with Bennett Miller, who did Moneyball and Foxcatcher. In June 2013, E.L. James announced on her Twitter that Sam Taylor Johnson was hired to direct. Sam Taylor Johnson's most notable film was the 2009 John Lennon biographical movie Nowhere Boy. That movie was nominated for four BAFTA awards. Uh, For anybody that doesn't know, BAFTA is the British Academy Film Awards, kind of like their Oscars. According to the LA Times, uh, there was some minor speculation that her husband, Aaron Taylor Johnson, would star as Christian in the movie. Aaron was actually the star of Nowhere Boy, and the two ended up marrying in 2012 after having two children. They were the center of tabloid attention because at the time, Nowhere Boy was being filmed, Aaron was 18 and Sam was 42. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, can we, since you brought the point of um, her husband supposedly was going to be Christian Grey. Well, there was, there was some minor speculation about that, yeah. Can we bring that up, How who was supposed to actually play I'm Christian Grey? Right right oh All right. Yeah. Stop interrupting his I get points. excited. Yeah, like Charlie Hunnam. Like I, All right, so... E.L. James said she didn't want to cast Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart in the lead roles, saying that it'd be kind of weird, you know, considering the whole fan fiction thing. Even though Kristen Stewart said she wouldn't mind doing the movie with Pattinson, who she was dating at the time. Boring. (laughs) Great. Yes. Some other actors considered for the role of Christian include Ryan Gosling. Uh, He just wasn't interested at all. Uh, Garrett Hedlund, who was in Tron Legacy. Uh, Stephen Amell who stars in the Arrow TV series and also played Casey Jones in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the Michael Bay version. Uh, He said he didn't find the character interesting at all and he couldn't connect with them in the script. Other actresses that auditioned for the role of Anastasia were Alicia Vikander, Imogen Poots, Elizabeth Olsen, Shalane Woodley, Felicity Jones, and Amelia Clark. 
Amelia Clark was actually offered the role, but she turned it down because of the nude scenes. She said in an interview with Hollywood Reporter that she'd already done nudity before and didn't want to be labeled for doing it again. I was going to say, as if we haven't seen Daenerys Targaryen's tits enough in Game of Thrones. But go ahead. No, I think, I mean, I think she has a point. Like, she, no, she does have a point, yeah, but yeah, her tits are already out in yeah. Game of Thrones. But I, th- I understand where she's coming from. You no, know? I, I mean, do. Yeah. I'm just saying. You don't want to be known as that. Yeah. yeah. I read somewhere that they considered Chris Hemsworth and Emma Watson as well. That well Hemsworth? Would, that would have yeah. been Yeah. Been Thor, cool Thor daddy himself. All right. All Mr. Right. Thor will see you now. Go ahead, Kerwin. Jesus. <laughs> He's going to hit her with that hammer. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there First is. one. <laughs> All right, so um, in September 2013, it was announced that Charlie Hunnam and oh, Dakota Johnson... Love of my life. <laughs> I think I'm, I may have liked this movie if Charlie Hunnam did it. Yeah. I would have... Okay, and I, I told Mugga this. If it went from like a zero to a Holly, though, can you give some Erica some water? <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. really needs She's it right now. Thirsty. She's very thirsty. <laughs> so thirsty. All right, in September 2013, it was announced that Charlie Hunnam and Dakota Johnson were cast in the lead roles... Charlie Hunnam accepted the role after initially rejecting it, but reading the book and doing a read with Dakota Johnson changed his mind. When it was announced that he was cast along with Dakota Johnson, there was a ton of backlash with people even going so far as to create a petition on change.org that got 92,874 signatures by the time it was closed. The petition specifically requested that Matt Bomber and Alexis Bledel be cast in the lead roles. Uh, He would exit the film a month later due to scheduling conflicts with Sons of Anarchy. Some of the actors looked at to replace him were Alexander Skarsgård, Jamie Dornan, you know, who got the role, of course, Theo James, Francois Arnaud, Scott Eastwood, Luke Bracey, and Billy Magnuson. How do y'all feel about Charlie Hunter? Oh my God. Okay. Um, First and foremost, we are going to dive into, uh, sorry, mom and dad, Um, but Mug and I discussed this this morning and I, and Jason has said as well, like, I honestly think I would have loved this movie if Charlie Hunnam was cast in it. And I don't know if it, if I'm basing it off of his character as Jax Teller and I'm just imagining all the BDSM. Well, I think he's a better actor than Dorian. Certainly. Certainly. And like, and I was discussing this with Kerwin last night and Kerwin and I said that the way Jamie Dornan looks He's like every other guy at the Underground in Redlands. No offense to the Underground in Redlands. That's in California. Extra offense. Redlands, yeah. California. Like I said, I don't know if I'm just basing it off of Charlie Hunnam as Jax Teller or even Charlie Hunnam as the guy from Green Street Hooligans, but if Charlie Hunnam were to approach me as Christian Grey, I would think about it. I, I have to bring I will, something up, though. I, I, will, I think I, I'm going to speak on behalf of Jason. I'm glad Charlie Hunnam did not do this. I'm role, also I very glad. Sons of Anarchy, and he glad. is Jax Teller, and I don't want 100%. him being. I'm sorry, my language. Fucking Christian Grey. Like this is just stupid. You know? No, and like, I agree. Yeah. I agree with you 100 percent because I think that would have put a connotation on him that I would rather have the badass Jax Teller than this freak Christian Grey. Like. I don't know. That's just me. But don't I, you think he would have been better suited for the role, number one, because he came back and did the movie after saying he didn't want in because he had such good chemistry with um, Dakota. Dakota Johnson. And that's the thing. And that's the thing in this movie. Like, these two actors have zero, zero chemistry, chemistry on screen. But the thing is, like... J- zero. Okay. Sorry, I just had a no, zero. zero. That is and so like, awkward. And also, I'm super nerdy, and I watch Once Upon a Time, 
um, on ABC Family. But uh, I, I've watched Once Upon a Time, and Jamie Dornan actually plays the sheriff on Once Upon a Time, who is the huntsman. And that's all I could see him as. And he played a serial killer on um, The Fall. And all I could think about and correlate was, okay, the huntsman and then the serial killer and Christian Grey. I was like, this is very serial killer-ish. Like, there's so many red flags. And I don't know. I just think, I don't care if you're a billionaire. Like, Anastasia Steele should have better judgment. My mother would have said, I don't care if she's a billionaire. Better judgment. All right, we'll get into that in uh, Trash or Treasure. I'm just, I'm just upset that Theo James didn't take the part. Me too. Because, <laughs> as Erica knows, as my best friend, Theo James is my number one. Like I S-O-M-T. love, I love Theo James. He's S O M T. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Who is? Who is that? Yeah, he's the Theo guy. James is? He's, I, again, why ask? Who is that? The, All right, you know what? Hey, we're gonna pause and see who Theo James is. Hold on. Please hold. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he should be. No, Theo James. No, he. I just feel like he fulfills this Theo James to me. That's I'm a just, long pause. I'm That's just looking pause. off into the distance, smiling because Theo James does that. Like well, he is a beautiful man, and I feel like he invokes something. He has this smoldering. He does. Aesthetic. Okay, okay. Theo James is Holly's <laughs> SOMT and Charlie Hunnam's mind, so I think those are the two we choose to be. I'm going to pump the brakes just a little bit. Just kind of go back to Charlie Hunnam. I just feel like when you watch this movie, and again, we're going to get into this, it's very mechanical. Right. I feel like Charlie Mechanical. Hunnam, Oh yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. but I, I I feel like Charlie Hunnam has more charisma. He I feel does. Like, I feel like he's more charismatic and like, especially in SOA, uh, even Green Street, like he has a lot more depth as a. As but an I, actor. I understand that. But having read the book, Christian Grey himself is like a closed off billionaire. He doesn't like. I understand you guys have the charisma of Sons of Anarchy, Charlie Hunnam. Like he exudes something that's charismatic. But Christian Grey is not that in the books. He's a closed off billionaire. He's into what he's into. He's a selfish person. And I feel like Theo James has that cinematic quality where it closes off and it's sensitive and it's in his own best interest. So I I will debate this. Like Charlie Hunnam is charismatic and he attracts both of you. Jason, I'm looking at you. Um, well, yeah, well, for sure. Charlie but I feel like physique. the character, the oh, character, there it is. what do you say? Physique. His the physique. Yes. He has a but, very great physique. We've seen the, his ass a lot in Sons of Anarchy. But the character of Christian Grey is a closed off billionaire who's into what he's into. And he's into this S&M lifestyle, BDSM lifestyle. And I feel like Theo James is somebody that could encapsulate that character and could literally make you have the effects that Anna had I feel like that we're movie. all on the same page that this guy Dorian is not good I, Christian Grey you know he's like, not he's not yeah, he's, he's not, not Christian Grey even though he is he's not Christian I think he's, he's more I think he's more fitting than Charlie Hunnam just be, reading the books and having that when you read a book and you have a character of what you have in mind based on the characteristics that are presented I don't think it's Charlie Hunnam having seen Sons of Anarchy I can see Theo James and I can see Jamie Dornham. And I think that the casting on this was a little bit better because Charlie Hunnam wouldn't have brought what Christian Grey was. So you're saying that because like, because he's a more charismatic person and because he has such like great natural chemistry with Dakota, you think that 
you know, he, he would be unable to portray that character as well because he's such a, you know, people can gravitate. Right. Gravitate and I feel like when you, when you introduce these idea of a billionaire that's stuck in his lifestyle of this BDSM lifestyle, you're not going to have somebody who's charismatic, who's somebody who's like attracting other that, people. Yeah. I, He's kind of yeah. in his own little closed off mindset of like, this is what I want. This is what I'm about. And it's not necessarily charismatic. And I understand how Charlie Hunnam would bring that for you. It'd bring the attraction level of like, oh, I can attract a bunch of people into this lifestyle. I'm going to ma- I'm going to use my magnetic personality to bring you in. No, no, That's no. Not what I'm what saying, Christian- what I'm saying is like, I'm saying that because of his natural charisma, you know, in which an audience is drawn to him, you know, just as a screen presence, not necessarily how the character would be portrayed. I think, I think he could play the role, but I think just him being Charlie Hunnam, like you wouldn't get that same effect. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's and like, I will 100% yeah. agree with yeah, you on that. Yeah, I think it's, it's not so much the performance, it's just how you view him on screen. We, we also have to take in consideration, Holly's the only one that's read the books, right? Yes. So you All have this other, you know, like interpretation of what Christian Grey should look like. Yes. And, and I mean, so I, I, I understand what you're saying. Well, even from, a, from a casting perspective, too, though, like maybe you would have had more males on board to go yeah. watch this movie as well yeah. because they know. Who's but that's, that's not what yeah. these books are geared towards. It's not I'm, geared towards men. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying from a casting perspective, from a money making perspective, it, you would, it may have it may have been different. May, they could, I mean, they made a ton of money, but maybe they could have made more because now males are identifying with this person. I'm just putting it out there. No, no, I get, I get what you're saying, but I think that you're losing what the book is presenting when you start doing that. When you start appeasing to an audience of just like, oh, this person's really hot in Hollywood right now, so we're going to cast them, it loses the message of what the original source material, aka the books, is about. And when you lose that and you start appealing to an audience that's outside of the books, you lose a certain part of it. No, and I think you're right, because at that time, you know, Charlie Hunnam coming off of Sons of Anarchy, like Hollywood was, and I think they kind of still are, they're really pushing him to be like a leading man. Mm-hmm. Like he was in Pacific Rim as the star. King Arthur, right? You know, King, King Arthur, Arthur yeah. you know, movies, bad. Yeah, movies that weren't very well reviewed. Personally, like I had fun watching them, but like you definitely get the sense, like it's kind of like the same thing that they try to do with uh, Sam Worthington during and after Avatar. They put him in Salvation. Yeah. You know, like right, they're, yeah. they're trying to force somebody on us and, and that's just not how it works. I think they're trying to create vehicles for uh, actors to succeed and become leading men based yeah. on other successes. But and they're th- successful on their own though. Exactly, yeah, they're successful on their own in their realm, if you will. Yeah. Like he's successful on Sons of Anarchy. You know, he hasn't quite hit that movie yet that he's, you know, he can carry a film. He's not like a Leo where he could carry a film. I think maybe, maybe like you're saying, Holly, definitely pick somebody who, who fits the role and not necessarily try to boost the film based on a particular actor's popularity, you know, in a different media entirely. I, I think that's, a, that's what's different about this movie is that it had so much hype from the books and you had so much buy-in from the people that were reading the books that you don't need necessarily a blockbuster actor to like bring this in or somebody that's relevant in Hollywood to bring this in like you're literally trying to appease what the character was written about and I think that's why Jamie Dornan was brought in because he literally when you read the character description of what Christian Grey is he's kind of what I imagined with reading the books I've seen all seasons of Games of Thro- Game of Thrones sorry and I've gone back and read the books and I imagine when I when I'm reading these books this is what the characters look like. And I right. think that's what you mean by... Right, and so, so I think can that... Can I ask you, yeah. you really think this is a good casting job 
it's on so, Christian Grey. It's so awkward. It's no, no, awkward. But, but, Holly, but Holly's the one that's read the book. Yeah, you, do you think this is a good casting job on and this, Christian Grey? This kind of gets into my trash or treasure, but I think aesthetically, yes. Okay, okay. all right, that's, that's, and then we're good because you've read we the books that. and we, I respect it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I think that. I think yeah. that this movie doesn't need a hype Hollywood person to come in and f- fulfill a role. I think they just need somebody that aesthetically fills this role. It's, they don't need Charlie Hunnam. They can they can bring in two no name actors and actresses, and just with the name Fifty Shades alone, you're gonna get that hype. You're gonna get people that come in and want to see this movie. You're gonna get people like me that come to the opening, Ooh, the girl. opening weekend, <laughs> come to the theater just because we're hyped about it. We've read the books. We want to see what they're we gonna start do. A it. Book club on movies, books that have gone to movies. You can't can we get read. Erica some water? You can't read. There's a Powerade right next to you, Erica. Yeah. Take it. All right, let's keep moving on. Behind the scenes. So getting into post-release, according to a Screen Rant article, Sam Taylor Johnson admitted that she regretted directing the movie. She was originally attached to direct the sequels to Fifty Shades of Grey, but she bowed out. In an interview with the Sunday Times, she said that she had a tough time with E.L. James regarding the movie's creative direction, citing that they'd butt heads on set and there was not a lot of synergy between the two. Continuing in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, she detailed how E.L. James was super concerned with pleasing the book's existing fan base, which clashed directly with Taylor Johnson's willingness to change things in order to keep the film interesting. According to Taylor Johnson, nearly every scene was fought over and that E.L. James disliked her during the entire making of the film. Uh, An article in The Telegraph mentions that they clash over the sex scenes in the film, with E.L. James wanting them to be way more striking and pronounced, with Taylor Johnson preferring a little more subtlety they even fought over the last line in the film, you know, when Anna leaves in the elevator. Uh, Taylor Johnson wanted Anna to use the safe word red as kind of a way to close the loop on their entire relationship, but they ended up going with E.L. James's, you know, uh, stop line. I don't know about you guys, but I think using red would have been better. Like, yeah. Red would have been so better. I don't know. I, I think when it comes to making a movie, and we'll get into that too. Um, Who said that they want to do red? Uh, the author didn't want to do red. The director said that they should have used red as a way to close yeah, out. But that that's movie. that's not how they end the book. No, that's and I not can how understand they... the author's interpretation of it and how she ended it, like Mr. Gray. Oh, is that how they ended it? Yes. Okay. I thought she said Christian. It was Mr. She Gray. She did say Christian. She did, she might have said Christian. I, I don't know. Like, but she, he goes. Anastasia, and she goes Christian, and the elevator door shut. Oh, but that, that's a closed loop, though, because, um, yeah, because didn't they have an elevator scene where he first walks into oh, the elevator? Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. control. And then that's... And I think from a cinematic perspective of just saying, like, Anna, Anastasia, Christian, and they close it, that's when they, that's their first meet-cute, if you will. It's like their first and their last yes. in the film. Yes, when she does the interview for the WSU, Washington State University, Vancouver. Anonymous sources on set also said that E.L. James wasn't, uh, you know, a nice presence to have on set. Somebody even said that, quote, E.L. is just not experienced. She's given a lot of power, but had never been through a movie shoot. The author didn't seem to grasp that in all adaptations, some things need to change. You can't just put a book on the screen. On her experience, uh, Sam Taylor Johnson, she said, quote, with the benefit of hindsight, would I go through it again? Of course I wouldn't. I'd be mad. So wow. yeah, she she definitely did not enjoy her time directing this film. I wow. I just really? think from the book to the and I've taken a course in this where we did a couple movies that were the source material versus the movie. Um, I think it was a lot of what you see in the book and what you see in the and it, it kind of reminds me and I'm 
a Harry Potter nerd, so excuse this, but it kind of reminds me of the first Harry Potter and how it was adapted into film. Like you can see actual lines from the book Mm -hmm. adapted into the film. And I feel like the first adaptation of this book, there's actual lines from the book that correlate to the movie, like to correlate to the source material. And I feel like they did a very good job of following it. I feel like the subsequent movies didn't follow it as closely, but I feel like um, the director of this movie really tried to respect the original source material and direct and like directed it as such and took actual lines from the book that we all are probably going to comment on and took it into the movie and she took very great respect with making it a part of the movie and so I, I just feel like it's funny because for the director to to, to have so much opposition to that when it correlates so closely to the book it's interesting yeah. trash well I think you know the other thing too is like they say you know you literally can't just put a book on screen you can't yeah you can't you can't and, and I've taken classes on this of just like the movies and how like the difference between cinema and the difference between literary is very different and you'll have differing opinions of like the book is better than the movie and I feel like this movie does a really good job of like very very closely closely associating with the book which is very much what the first directors of Harry Potter did mm-hmm. is they tried to follow the book so closely and tried to g- encapsulate all the things the nostalgia and all the love that you have for the book and they put it into the movie but when you haven't read the book it doesn't make sense it ended up being like a clusterfuck it ended up being a very weird like culmination of what yeah. the book wanted to be mm-hmm in cinematic format. Yeah, and the thing is too, you know, a lot of things that are described in books are going to be seen. You know, they don't need to be seen. A lot of dialogue, you know, you can write a lot of dialogue, but you can't say it. It's like Harrison Ford said about Star Wars, like the script looks great, but you can't say this shit on screen in real life. And I think um, when we mentioned in the Harry Potter episode, Erica, we talked about how Uh, the director and uh, J.K. Rowling, they even made it a point to strip a lot of, you know, trim a lot of the fat from the books because they it wouldn't make sense to have that on screen in the first place. And I think this director was kind of smart with her approach, kind of looking at it from a directorial perspective, you know, cinematic perspective is just like, there's a lot of things in the book that may or may not need to be here. And a lot of people have said, you know, doing my research that E.L. James had way too much power, which you don't see a lot of in Hollywood as far as the original creator having so much say on set, being on set every day, being in production meetings, choosing the director, choosing the cast, all that other stuff. I think honestly, this boils down to just E.L. James being there and having way too much influence. I think so too. Yeah. Like it, I think it ruined that, the movie, or it, what? You're saying? I, think it I, I would did. think so because a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people's gripes with this film seem to be the author always being present yeah. and making huge decisions. Usually, that's that's not how it different, works. You know, yeah. The director yeah. say she didn't. Yeah, the director said that E.O. James just didn't like her for some yeah, reason. Yeah, and she she regrets doing the movie. Yeah, she regretted doing the movie. Uh, I, I, also, I also read the screenwriter has refused to watch the movie. Wow, oh, I didn't really? Know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I guess the screenwriter, screenwriter, I'm sorry, wanted to go a little darker with the movie. And I just and, don't know how you do that well, in Hollywood. No, well, James, no, to elaborate on that, sorry to cut you off, Jason, I'm an asshole, but the... Duly noted. Duly noted. No, But no, the screenwriter had way more sex scenes, way more darker, like you said, darker what have yous. And they wanted to give it an NC-17 rating, but they took everything out. But you can't have commercial success when you do an NC-17 rating. Like, we saw what happened with Blue Valentine when they did that. Yeah, go ahead, Jason, sorry. No, that no, was just my no, tidbit on that. No, I, I agree. And like I said, um, is it Marcel? 
Yeah, Marcel. Uh, Kelly Marcel. Marcel, yeah. The, uh, she wanted to go, again, a little darker. And the way she felt was that the movie was like 50% hers mm-hmm. and then 50% the authors because they just butted heads on some stuff to the point where, like I said, refusal to watch even the final cut of the wow. film. Wow. Yeah. So. I didn't know that. I didn't know all that either. That's drama. So the film, uh, you know, to your points, uh, Jason and Erica, it definitely could have got an NC-17 rating, uh, according to Kelly Marcel, the writer, who stated in an interview that, quote, we are 100% going there, it'll be rated NC-17, it's going to be raunchy, end quote. Uh, The studio very quickly disagreed, and the movie eventually got an R rating, as we all know. Other countries gave it a similar rating, with a lot of countries going so far as to have the movie heavily edited to remove uh, the sex scenes entirely, and in some cases, the film was banned from release. Do you know what countries? Tell us. So I have a few on here. I don't know if you guys have ones to add, but I had uh, Malaysia, India, Kenya, and Nigeria. They're all, couldn't even watch it. The funny thing was, though, in France, um, they thought there should be no rating. But oh. instead, they put a a twelve year old age restriction. What? On it. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve. Yeah, twelve. It was rated twelve. And they they they. But they out de- there, it's different, right? Well, yeah, but they deemed that it didn't even need a rating at all. But they they, they decided to put a twelve like a twelve year old like a like a rated R is what eighteen. Yeah. Uh, Seventeen. That 17? explains so, no, those under eighteen demographics. So it's like a PG twelve movie to them. Yeah. So yeah. Jesus, Mary Jensen. And right. about that, um, in February 2015, in a Hollywood Reporter article, uh, the French classification president stated that Fifty Shades of Grey, quote, isn't a film that can shock a lot of people, end quote, and that he considers the film a romance. You could even say it's a bit schmaltzy. So they thought schmaltzy? it was. Schmaltzy? Yeah, in France, they think this movie's like soft well, shit. So. That's the thing, is um, to tie into Jason's um, countries who banned it, I researched that the Philippines was one of the countries they didn't fully ban the film but the catholic church in the philippines had this massive protest and they're like this has got to stop like we cannot release this we refuse to release this and the catholic church in the philippines has a lot of influence me being filipino i know that but the filipino film administration was like no this is a real thing that happens we need to be able to show the people what this is about and so they actually let it fly but the sex scenes are edited so it's not really like the full experience but that's one of the countries that was also so they just got to see the acting right they did and acting great well so so they got to see some sex scenes but not to like the full extent that we in america so so when i was reading i heard I, i was reading that the sex scenes only constitute 14 minutes, 17 seconds of the film. There's they, not a lot of sex scenes. They so, base yeah. it off sex scenes. I think the first 40 minutes, 45, there's not one thing that happens sexually, right? It's just complete, like, dialogue, actor, Sexual character buildup. Yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, so there's really not a lot of, I mean, no. what, what it's marketed as, it's really doesn't do what it says. I mean, I don't know. But, and that's the thing that we are saying was when Jason brought up the NC-17 rating is that there was supposed to be way more way we'll get into that yeah yeah, but yeah yeah. so they took it out so okay one thing i read was that a company called i believe was uh smash yes i have this too go ahead go ahead uh smash pictures they were trying to release a pornographic film kind of as a parody of 50 shades of grade jason what is the name of that film you know i don't have them what what, do you have the name 50 shades of gray 
Semicolon. Oh, the and and XX and, adaptation. They, oh they could have come up with anything God. clever. That's what they got. Dude. That's what they got. That's it. Yeah, and they were actually going to release it before the movie ever ever came out, right? Yeah. Real so original. A, a lawsuit claimed that it violated the copyright and was not a parody. So they were saying that it was copied straight from the first two books. I'm guessing it was the author wanted profit from the sales of the film, but Universal said that it would poison the public perception of the story. Which I agree. So that's why they they were really heavily against having this released. Again, Smash Pictures said that the story was part of public domain, didn't violate any copyright or trademark laws, but they did settle out of court and the film was never made. Settled out of court. Do you know the money? Because I couldn't find it. You know, I tried to... I don't think it's anywhere. I don't think it's disclosed disclosed anywhere. anywhere, They probably signed an NDA. And it probably cost as much as Anastasia Steele's bug when they sold it. Go ahead. It could be. I, don't, I have no idea about that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I just thought it was interesting. I, I don't know, because I feel like there may or may not be pornographic material like parodied off a lot of movies. Yeah. But I mean, I, I get Universal's point, because this is supposed to be released before the movie even came out. And they're fighting yeah. an uphill battle marketing-wise, you know? Yeah, I mean, although the book sold a lot, I mean, there is a connotation that it is, you know, pornographic in nature in, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it, but I just thought it was interesting that they had to completely not like not make the film set out of court, but yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Or fascinate, interesting. Fascinating, I'm there sorry. You go. There you go. I actually, I've so I said, I've read the five books, but I actually did some research on the BDSM reaction to this film of people who are actually involved in this community, which is something that I had no idea going into it. Really quick though, can we clarify what BDSM means? Because there's a lot of, surprisingly enough, people don't know what BDSM means. Right, so can you enlighten oh. us, please? Yeah. Because well, I Jason. <laughs> I thought it meant something. Why are we saying my name? Well, no, no. Because okay, Jason so enlightened us as to what it he was. He did. No, no. So apparently, according to the BDSM, oh, no, 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 no. the BDSM community, it's actually a lot. So the B and the D stands for bondage and discipline. The D and the S stand for domination and submission, and the S and M, obviously, sadism and masochism. So that's what it stands for. So they're missing a couple letters. They're this missing a couple 50 letters. Shades but it, up, 50 this is shades of fucked up. This is awful, man. Like, um, I hate you for saying that. No, but it, there was, specify there that, was a lot of things that I thought BDSM stood for, and then we actually looked up the, the literal definition, and it was very different than what we thought. But the BDSM community actually did not embrace this film. They did not embrace the source material. They said it was almost as if it was E.L. James's fantasy, as opposed yes. to having actual interaction with the BDSM community. They said it created a non-consensual environment where Christian Grey wanted this lifestyle and he wanted this kind of sexual relationship. And it was creating something that wasn't healthy and wasn't something that was fulfilling for both partners. And I read a reaction from somebody who was actually involved in the BDSM community. And she said it was like somebody, a character like Christian Grey would not be capable of love. And he was very high on getting control Mm -hmm. and not having a consensual relationship or is beneficial for both partners. Well, and that's the thing is a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, twice removed, um, is actually in the BDSM community that I know, and um, me, Kerwin, <laughs> Kerwin. <laughs> no, no. Um, and she Kerwin ex- is heavy in this shit. Kerwin is the submissive in this BDSM relationship. I'm not the submissive. No, I'm just kidding. No, but okay. But seriously, I I do know of someone, an acquaintance, who is into this stuff, 
And she said that the community took offense, like Holly said, um, because the way Christian Grey made Anastasia feel in this, that's not how the BDSM community works. Like, yeah, okay, you're a submissive, but you're not supposed to feel in that end scene like where he's smacking her ass and she she does a very good job acting it's part of my treasure but of feeling uncomfortable there right no I mean, yeah you see and it, that's yeah. not what it is oh, at all they're it. always like the BDSM community everyone it's consensual yes there's a dominant and yes there's a submissive but everyone is consensual they're into it and just the way that the movie was made it was so awkward and that's why so they're, they're thinking Hollywood totally like portrayed them in a negative in way. In a negative yeah. way. And that's what like Hollywood was I, saying. I agree with what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree too, because he's really pressing her to sign that contract. Yes. I mean he does give her an out, which I would assume is normal in that community. Yes, it is. But it's just like he's really forceful, you know, when it comes to getting her to sign that contract. It's like, bro, like chill. Like if she wants to sign it, she will sign it eventually. You can, you know, but, you can do your thing, etc. But like this whole dominant submissive thing doesn't start until that contract is signed and you're already playing that shit out. It was super creepy. Yeah, you it make you make creepy. it seem yeah, you make it seem like somebody who's trying to get somebody involved in this community or trying to exist in this community that they're forcing outsiders into it. Yeah. You're making it appear that way when clearly Erica to your point it's not. It's, yeah. not, it's all about everyone being, that's a dominant you should sub be safe. want to be yes. dominant yeah, sub. But the way that it was that the way that I read through these like BDSM reactions to it was just if you want to be in a relationship like this, it is a very, very much consensual decision. Yes. It was a very much like cognizant decision. It's something that you've wrapped your mind around and you're comfortable with. Which and I don't not, think this movie portrays. And that's what it I'm, doesn't. That's what I'm getting doesn't. at. It's just like, she's taking her time and like reviewing this contract, deciding if this is something she really wants to do. And he's just, hurry up and sign it. it. Hurry yeah. up and sign it. Hurry Did up and sign it. And go I, over the contract yet? Yeah, Did and I, totally, I, I also read, I didn't want to bring this up, but there's a, a game you could play like every time they say the word contract in there you take a shot oh, and like Christ. you're annihilated yeah I mean, like they, they, they say it all drunker. the time because it's such a focal point it's nothing's consensual he's very like you're saying yeah. Kerwin just like hey contract contract con-. and it's, it's like dude it's honestly creepy and yeah. so I don't know if you whoever follows me on Instagram I posted something last night saying is this movie trash no or absolutely fucking Lucas and a lot of people said yeah absolutely fucking Lucas this movie is trash because, sorry Jason, I'm using your name. I voted um, for absolute fucking Lucas. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people messaged me afterwards and they're like, if this was someone that wasn't a billionaire playboy, people would be like, this is creepy. This is CSI shit. Yeah. This is someone's going to get murdered. Nonsense. And honestly, when he takes her to the playroom for the very first time and she's like, what's behind the door, Christian? Just open the door. I felt very, very uncomfortable. I was like, this is a red flag. Get the fuck out, Anna. <laughs> like, what is going on? That's weird that you would say CSI because Law & Order SVU actually had a parody. Dun, dun. Did this. Yep. Did they? Yeah, they had a parody. Oh, wow, okay. Very similar to the, the elevator scene, and, uh, including BDSM, too. So I, I, I was watching the other day, Big Bang Theory, and I swear they have an episode dedicated to this as well. Am I right on that? Anna Ferris her and her mom live and they're the property management of a like an apartment place mm-hmm. and she meets this guy who's like this great guy. It's actually Tom Hanks' son. I don't know his name Colin. yet. And anyways, and Anna Ferris is having a great time on a Saturday night. She has no friends and then he ends up like, she ends up going into the room just like this 
and I, I swear it's tied to like Fifty Shades of Grey because he wants to be tied up and but with a dog Anna, leash and all that. Anastasia. I mean, you know, I'm just saying it's right there. And I watched this like three days ago. I'm like, I swear to God, this is Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, no, I swear it, to God, it is. It you know, it is. Like, and it's, it's creepy. Yeah. If he wasn't a billionaire playboy, it's creepy. And the only billionaire playboy I want to hang out with is Bruce Wayne. Like, come on. Let's I want to hang out with Jeff Bezos. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's Batman. He's I mean, Batman. Yeah, he's, like what? Uh, Christian, you guys just crop my ass. Rachel, where is she? Your name's not Rachel, so I mean, yeah, you're true. Out of it. Yeah. Damn it. So get into the music. Uh, the Crush. score. No, it's not. Oh my God, is uh, it awful? Jason. All right, all right, we'll get it. All right, we'll yeah, save that for trash or treasure. Awful. But uh, as far as the movie score, it was composed by Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman is my favorite. You know, we all know he did Batman, you know, the 89 version, Spider-Man, Nightmare Before Christmas, Mission Impossible. Oh, uh, he did. Goodwill Hunting and Pee-wee's Big Adventure, among other movies. Another big guy, big name that got involved in this movie somehow. Yeah, I mean, wow. It, 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 that's a lot of good yeah. stuff right there, you know, yeah. The yeah. only thing I liked... Goodwill Hunting? I mean, Goodwill how great Hunt- is that? I didn't know that, yeah. that he did that musical yeah. score. But that was one of my favorite parts. When I saw Danny Elfman, when opening credits rolled on, and Danny Elfman did the music for it. I was like, oh, okay. And honestly, I took interest in the music more. And it's not good, right? It's well, we'll Wow, it. Jason. We'll get into that. Great. We'll get Jason into that. doesn't like Nickelback, so don't Jason take his Jason loves Nickelback word, and just yeah. doesn't want everyone to know he loves Nickelback. Oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. All right, guys. We'll exactly. get into that in uh, Trash or Treasure. Okay, um, this movie was also nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song. The song is Earned It by The Weeknd. Oh, I oh. love The Weeknd. So oh, that's movie, on my solitaire playlist. This movie could have won an Oscar. Could have won an Oscar. It didn't. Thank God. Thank Every God. time I hear The Weeknd, it just gets everyone riled up. It's on my solitaire playlist. Yeah. The solitaire? great. Yeah. The card game? Yeah. Okay. Wholesome family fun activity. All right. Fold it over there. <laughs> so getting into our experience with this film... Mugga, why don't you tell us about your experience with Fifty Shades of Grey? So I, I have to be honest. Um, I was not happy when you said, let's review this for Valentine's Day and all that. Um, I didn't watch it again. I've watched it before. I had a prior roommate. You guys know he is named Juice. Audience doesn't know him. But uh, he had DirecTV under his name and all that stuff. This was when... DirecTV would give you the promos once a, like every three months a week. You could have all the movie channels, you know? And it was the big buzz of like, hey, 50 Shades, 50 Shades, yada, yada, yada. It was on HBO, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch it one night, you know? And I, I literally put it on. No girl with me. <laughs> like, oh. I really watched it. Was Jason with you? No, Jason <laughs> was not with me. And I, I literally put it on, and... I remember like just being cringeworthy of like watching it. And I remember like my door was open, like my roommates at the time would walk by and be like, what the fuck are you watching? I'm like, sorry, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Cause half the time I was on my phone, I wasn't even like watching it, but uh, I watched it and I've never watched it again. Uh, you guys wanted to review this. And I said, I've watched it, but I'm not watching it again. I, n- I never have and I never will, but yeah, <laughs> that was my experience of it. Holly, why don't you tell us about your experience with Fifty Shades of Grey? Okay, so I have two experiences with Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) So we'll start with the movie version, which is what we're reviewing today. So I went and saw it opening weekend with a girlfriend. Not me, disclosure. Not you, not Erica, not my best friend. But I went and saw it with a girlfriend, and we were in the theater, and right 
after the opening credits played, you could just hear the can clicks of everybody opening a beer or a spirit that they wanted. It was very much reminiscent of Magic Mike, where everybody was just opening something in the theater that they'd snuck in. And so I watched it in the theater, it's opening weekend. Um, but the funniest story. You watched this opening weekend. I did. Wow. I did. I did. I was Let one of those. Be, I was one of those people that did it. That's just why you want me on this podcast. It's why you want me on this wall. It's why you need me on this wall. This is why we need you forever. Exactly. So, but the book, I have an even better story. So I started reading the book. The book came out in 2011. After I had graduated from college, I had moved back home after college and was living with my parents. And I downloaded the book on Kindle, which I had thought was on my own Kindle account. And I was reading it. And then I read Darker. And then I read Free. And I thought it was on my own Kindle account. But. But whose was it? Holly, Holly, this is a safe place. But you can tell us, tell us what happened. You're in the trust tree. You're in the trust tree. Yeah. I'm literally bright red telling the story. But my mother cornered me in the kitchen. Uh-oh. And she, oh, it was one day before work, and she was like, those books that you ordered. And I thought to myself, like, what books have I ordered like and I was thinking old school Amazon where books got delivered to your house and this was like right when Kindle was first getting like hot and I was like what what books and she was like no like the 50 shades books and she looked into my soul and I looked back at my mother and I was like okay I gotta go to work Because I wasn't going to talk to my mom about these books. Like a punch in the gut kind of feeling? Yeah, because I love my mom, obviously, but I wasn't going to discuss Fifty Shades of Grey with her in our kitchen. And so I... Did she read it? (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. She read it? She read it. And she was trying to have a impromptu book club in our kitchen at 6.30 in the morning. And I... Was not about that life. And I slowly made my exit of like, I'm so sorry. I thought it was on my own Kindle account that I ordered these books. So you were just like, laters, baby. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. I laters, I baby. said that I'm so sorry, mom, I need to go to work. I don't want to talk about this. And that's what happened. <laughs> And you never met Gail. <laughs> my mom is not, this is like, my family is so open and honest, but this is the one thing we don't talk about. But the fact that my mom was like, whoa, those are some racy books that you got on Amazon. And I didn't know what she was talking about. And then when she brought it to my cognition, I was like, we're not, we're not going to talk about this, mom. I'm so sorry. Like, I need to go. And that's exactly what happened. But I. It's great. Immediately, 86 is situation went. To, I don't even know where I went. I probably went somewhere. I'm gonna mention random this errands. Like wedding, my maid of honor. You need to, you need to not. But I that was my experience with a book. Gail Hart tried to have a Kiki book conversation <laughs> with me about it, and I was not having it. I was mortified. I was 
I was bright red and oh, I was like, mom, I can't Jesus. talk about this with you. Well, I mean, if you can't take the heat, get the fuck out the kitchen. I got Literally, the fuck, got out, the of the fuck out of the kitchen. I don't know where I went, but I went somewhere. Yeah. But work didn't even start for another four work hours. Work didn't even start for another <laughs> four hours. But I was, I, was, I was doing anything I could to get out of that situation. But the movie I saw in the theaters, but the book, it, it has a lasting memory on me just because my mom tried to have an impromptu book club conversation with me about it. And I, no. It's not happening. Jesus Christ. Okay. Jason, why don't you tell us about your experience? Okay, so unfortunately, I also saw this opening weekend. What? The- yes! What? I thought... Jason Andrew Lucas. Absolutely. Lucas. Absolutely. Lucas. He dressed up as Christian Grey, didn't she? Uh, dirty un- son of a bitch. Un- unfortunately, I was dragged there against my will. By who? You dirty sailor, you. <laughs> You old sailor, you. It, I was dragged by uh, a past significant other. Uh oh, here we go. To go watch this movie. Um, this person was an avid reader of this. Oh, and I'm now it was not me. Not not only a trilogy, but there's a five part series. But avid reader of these, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, I blocked a lot of it out. I was not paying attention most of the time. Uh, I was looking down, closing my eyes, just. Counting the minutes, you know, like, yeah, just counting down the minutes till it was over. <laughs> I don't know how to get, I don't know how to explain this, but I was not happy to see this movie. Lie. But I did end up watching this again. Wow. Uh, what? For this podcast oh, okay. only. And I paid $3.99 and I'm just, I don't know. I'm disappointed in myself that I paid any more money to watch this. I'll Venmo you. It's all good. Yeah. It, yeah I, I think you guys should. Wait, Each- you paid $5.99? Three. Three. Oh, three. Turn your I'm fucking done. brain on. I feel like all of you should <laughs> Venmo me a dollar for this podcast. Everyone because should Venmo me a dollar, too. You saw it in the theaters and you spent $10. Get the fuck out of here. Did. Okay, so imagine. If we're talking when this movie came out. It's probably 10 or 12 bucks. Plus another four dollars. We're approaching thirty dollars. If you have no popcorn, nachos, you. nothing, right? That's on you for trying to romance a female during this movie. I was, you he go said back he was home? dragged. You literally had dragged this movie about 40 bucks. Literally, come Jason, on, does that explain Jason. the horse crap I found in your kitchen drawer the other day? Erica, I don't like to talk about what's <laughs> in my home. That's that's private. Anyway, um, get out of here. I would uh, I would advise you not to rummage through my drawers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jason's got a red room. <laughs> Jason, can we slam your cupboards though? Alex doesn't live with me. It's my red room. No, I swear, there's an Alex that lives with me. I do have a roommate. No, but. Uh, I watched this again, and uh, I, I'm just. Like you I said, were excited. You were like, "Can we watch Darker? Can we watch Freed? Can I read the books? Uh, I'm on to you." He has the books. I saw them. In I his guess Holly doesn't know the definition of sarcasm. But, uh, that's <laughs> Holly, all of that. Holly was. understands, but she also understands the definition of enthusiasm. <laughs> You're enthused, or, Jason. Yeah, you know, there's a lack thereof of enthusiasm. Um, but yeah, so I rewatched this again. It was extremely painful the second time as well. Um, I hope never again to watch the movie, see a cover of the book, nor see any parts of the features that follow this one. We're reviewing Freed next week. I mean, no, what are you going to do? You and are And the weird thing is, um, this may be my last podcast if I <laughs> review the next one because I swear to God, I'm not reviewing one more of these movies. You, you can write that down. Freed. Freed. That's darker. That's my experience, Kerwin. 
Kerwin's <laughs> laughing right now. He can't even get to the mic. Kerwin can't even get. Can I just bring up that Jason is the only one that has a gray microphone? Right Ooh. Now. Ooh, bitchy Jason abs out fucking Lucas. What shade of gray is that? <laughs> what shade of gray is that? Timberwolf gray, I think. I don't know. It's the 50th shade of it's, gray. It's, it's Christian gray. Christian gray. All right. So, um, Christ. Erica, why don't you tell us about your experience? Oh, God, here we go. Okay, so um, I've actually seen this movie twice. Uh, the first time I watched it on FX, this was years ago, actually, when it first came on. You watched it on FX? Yeah, it was on FX. Oh, wow. You know, like, FX, like, plays the movies but over like that, and over like, again. You can't watch this movie Well, it was FX. unrated. You can't watch the movie unrated, regardless. I'm sorry. It was, ra- it was, like, it was edited, heavily yeah. edited, the FX version. So the first time I watched it was a couple years ago on FX when it was like, oh yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, like national premiere, blah, 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 whatever. Fuck it. Um, anyways, it took me a whole week to watch it. You know, because like I said, FX plays it over and over again. So you watched it every day of the week? Yeah, but no. <laughs> I never finished the movie. Oh, okay. I couldn't get past a certain point and I just never finished the movie. So then Kerwin, Mugga, and Jason were like, hey, we're going to review Fifty Shades of Grey. We want you and Holly to be on this podcast. So I said, okay, great. Now I'm going to watch it. Pissed, by the way, that I had to pay $3.99 to rewatch this. So I actually rewatched it last night. Uh, my family decided to throw me a birthday dinner last night. So whilst they were all around the dining room table playing bingo, I sat my happy ass down on the couch across from the dining room table, put it on my phone, played it on my Amazon Prime, and watched Fifty Shades of Grey. And I'm sitting there, my Aunt Jeanette, God bless her soul, comes over to play bingo with the rest of the family, and she sees me on my headphones with my phone, and she's like, what are you watching, porn? And I said, yeah. And I turned the phone around and I showed her the sex scene of Christian Grey and Anna in the playroom. And Which she one? goes, Oh, the one in the playroom. In the playroom. And she goes, Oh my God. And she just walks away from me. And that was my experience. And she tells my dad, Do you know what your daughter's watching over there? And my dad asked me, What are you watching over there? I was like, Don't fucking worry about it. Mortified. Mortified. You could just said the worst movie ever made, and he's like, "Oh, Fifty Shades of Grey." He, I could, probably could have. I was mortified, but Jason. I was. The rating's gonna be good. I mean. well, no, like I was laughing hysterically at one point because when she first goes into the playroom, my dad asked me what I was laughing at, and it was when she goes in the playroom for the very first time, and she walks past the flogger, and there's like. The Elder Wands. Okay, what what is what is the flogger? It is, the flogger is like a whip with multiple tails. Think of like so. What's tails. the one called that doesn't have the multiple tails? A, a horse cane. crop. A cane or a crop. <laughs> you guys crop. are saying two different answers. It's a horse crop, and that's what looked like the Elder Wand. And I was dying, dying laughing, and I was texting Kurt. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> there, it was like a wand display. There was like no part in this movie where I was dying laughing. Wait, I so Kurt, 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 I, I have laughing. to know. So, so Erica, you're thinking like the spell Christian cast is like expecto penetration? Yeah, expecto penetration. Avada Kedavra, that pussy. <laughs> Please edit that out. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm with Jason. This might be my last <laughs> podcast of all time because this so, is way bad. So, Corwin, I have to ask, what's your experience? Yeah, Corwin, tell us. Uh, oh, man. I remember somebody I was with, uh, she was very uh, enthused about these books. Um, it was not me. Not I. And, 
you know, they were on they're on this whole like kick of like, oh, let's try this, let's try this. And I was, and I was like, okay, I mean, like it's pretty done it before like whatever and um, wow. and then you know it wasn't until then that I realized like so many girls and their significant others like they're trying to get their their guys to like do a lot of this shit do like the more vanilla shit you see in the movie like oh being tied up and blindfolded you know yeah, that, I've had my ass smacked a few times it's fine yeah all that baby shit whatever. so it's just like you know I remember that was my first experience of like knowing about the series when the movie came out, um, I was supposed to see it with somebody, but like, you know, she and I ended up like canceling plans or whatever. So never saw the movie. And then, uh, you know, I just said like, hey, we, we already saw one shitty movie for a holiday, Elf. Why not see another shitty movie for a holiday? So I told the guys, I was like, hey, let's review Fifty Shades, get Erica and Holly on this. And uh, I watched it. It's it's the funniest comedy I've seen in years. Like, just, But it's not a comedy. Oh, it's, it's not. He's... That's oh. sarcasm, my guy. Oh, shit. I understand what the fuck it is. I just, okay? I'm sorry. This I had, to, 50 shades I had to describe up. it to you because God. you're a sweet baby angel. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the movie, yeah, it's pretty weak. And I'm glad it's over. So, yeah, that's my experience. All right. So let's get into our trash oh, and treasure. Jesus Christ. Okay, here we go. Mugga, why don't you tell us your trash and treasure with this film? Oh, dude, okay. <laughs> you're putting me at number one, huh? And I, I appreciate that. I want to do something different uh, with my treasure. Get through it real quick, but my trash. I want to like have it as a, like an open end discussion because I want to know what you guys think. Okay. Um, I really do like the fact that they save the scenes of the whole sexual thing towards the very end, like, like the last two weeks of production. And I, I I heard that Dorian was like, "Hey, I now feel," which we'll get into. You guys read saw the Jimmy Kimmel interview where he said, oh, she's like my sister, like Dakota Johnson. He doesn't see that. No, he said that. He said that. I watched the interview. But um, I guess like after they were, like she was uncomfortable with like naked and then the director would yell cut. He'd be like, hey, put like something over and like no one does anything until she's ready to go again, you know? Um, I think that's kind of, I mean, give it a a treasure. I respect him for that. No, yeah. Respect him for that. Um, I also do... I guess like the director knew, hey, this is like a big deal. This is like almost porn. I mean, they're they're really like like on the fence of like what's going on. I read that they had two cameras on, like when they like the sex scenes were going on, and when one camera was on, she right, it was this female director would direct it, but also have a remote control for the other one because she was like, I don't want some you know hairy old guy just doing something like or, or or over them so she would control it with a remote control and they really minimized the amount of people that were in the room when it went down i, I kind of respect that you know i mean that, yeah. that's that's kind of yeah. what i do um i kind of i kind of I, I like dakota johnson and it's kind of in my treasure you i mean erica's like saying no no i loved her i i in you know role. but uh i think that el royale she's great you know she's also in um, how to be single? Oh, I did watch a movie. I went with on a date on that movie. It's not bad, you know. It's not good, but it's not bad. But it's not it's, bad though. But, but it's um, not good. she's in Black Mass and The Social Network. Do you guys know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't know, so I had to go rewatch these because I really like Dakota Johnson. Because I'm now like transitioning into my trash, and I want to know what you guys think about this. I think the acting in this movie sucks. Yeah. Like, that's my trap. I mean, on every scene, it's very awkward. But what I want to open it up to is 
the acting really that bad or they are just doing the best they can because the script sucks that bad. I, I like, that's my thing. Like, I, I think there's just so many scenes where it's cringeworthy. I'm like, hey, this movie sucks. But are they really doing, hey, this is what we have to do. We're making right. chicken salad yeah. no, 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 and out I of chicken that, shit. You know yeah. what I mean? I will, I will agree with you. Just having read the book, I think they were doing the best they could with what they had with the source material. Like, the source material in and of itself Trash. was not... Right. Literary gold. Yeah. And I think that this movie, especially with watching the two subsequent movies, it it followed the book very closely. And the, the only franchise I can relate it to is Harry Potter. Like the first movie that the director did of Harry Potter, they followed this. They followed the book very, very closely. And I feel like this movie of the franchise followed the book the most closely. I feel like they were being extremely conservative, trying to appease an audience that had read the book and trying to to do the most according to the source material. And so I feel like they did the best they could with what they had. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, E.L. James being on set. Right. Yeah. She might have ruined this movie. She might have ruined this And the influence that she had of just, this is her baby. This is her first book. This is what she wrote and she wanted to see it on cinema. And Hollywood was trying to come back with that. And I feel like, it did the best with what it had. Well, that's uh. the thing is I, so the guy that plays Christian Grey, um, I brought up him being on Once Upon a Time and The Fall as a serial killer. He was great in those movies. And I think that's why I couldn't see him as anything but. Because I, I like Dakota Johnson. I really and do. No, you and, know? She, and, I, and I've seen Dakota Johnson yeah. in other movies and I like her in other movies. I think she's phenomenal. But. I just think I'm wondering if like the screenplay, everything about this, and they did the best they could, and that's why it is okay. So here's my other like trash that about, and I want you guys to really keen in on this. There's a part where they're communicating to each other. We live in a world now where social media is big. I do not like how they're not talking to each other physically, phone, in person, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're literally doing it through social media or laptop. And yeah. they show as they're like just looking at a screen or so the the messages. Did you guys notice yes. that? Yeah. Yep. And I'm wondering. I, I hate it. I, I don't think it's like intelligent. I don't think it's creative. I don't. Well, he's not going like to text her on that but, ass flip phone. But that's for but sure. is this where maybe some movies go now? And I I think this is a trash to me, but it's something that like I can't cope with. I, I don't know. Is this something that is going to be happening in movies forward? I, I don't know. But oh, I just like think when, I just think whenever. about how you communicate with people that you're trying to date it's text message like of but that time it was I, I get what you're email. saying you that's how email. it is but this is how the movie is portraying it and like instead of them acting or doing something they literally have them with like maybe a music back but it's just like it just shows the messages you don't yeah. like that no, I don't like it. I, at all. I don't think I, it's a negative for me. I don't think it's so you, you kind of like it. it? I, I'm, I think I'm concerned because I think this might change movies. But think about how you like talk. how they communicate Maga, with people. I'm like you, don't you think person so. to person, but how do you communicate with girls? It's no, I, I, I text totally understand. Message, that's what it's it's social media. But it, it, it does change the way you. I mean, like I, I mean, I, but he I don't was know. Going I, through I, email I, though, that's a bit of a stretch. Like he was literally. But this is also 2011. No, it was like this is 2011. It was text message. It was email, and I get that. But like, how do you communicate with people via text message? But the way via DM. the way they're showing it on a movie, like, I don't know if I like it. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot of things with that. You know. So film. do you like it? I mean, I I think when it's it's just like anything CGI. It's new because it's it's really new. Yeah. I think as long as it's done well and doesn't 
kind of yeah. overtake what's happening in the film. I think it's perfectly fine. We saw that in House of Cards, uh, Fault in Our Stars, Eighth Grade. A lot of productions. I guess are doing I'm concerned. I'm, I'm concerned on like how movies will go from here on out. I mean, yeah. because that's I know we do we communicate. communicate. I, I get that, I but guess, like, I guess I saw that in House of Cards, and that's yes. what kind of reminded me of because they do. I would say like every few episodes, there there's a communication that way, and I it wasn't off putting. It was more like, oh, it's interesting that they're showing it this way. I, I I'm not saying I really really liked it, but I thought it was. But a, it's a it's a it's way to have technique. plot development without having legitimate conversation but I feel like it's reminiscent of how we communicate with it's each real. other it's real exactly it's real and they're putting it on screen I don't know okay. I kind of liked it okay you really liked it huh I kind I, of I, liked I think I'm kind of concerned I kind of liked it yeah alright all right. Um, there's a <laughs> bunch of other things that I don't like I'm gonna leave it really brief because I think that the things that I don't like you guys all, I mean we're the awkward acting we're trying to send the contract other things that are going on the end scene one thing I don't like she graduates from Washington State University and her parents aren't there. Did you guys see how her parents are not there? Yeah. Bullshit reason. Her dad was there, but her, her stepdad, stepdad and her mom didn't show up. Stepdad was her dad there. So why didn't, why didn't they Colin, show up? Her stepdad. Because oh, no, her, no, no, no. Her, her dad showed foot. up, but her stepdad didn't show up. How did he Mom, break his foot? Golfing. Wait, that was... How wait, the hold fuck? On, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, so that wasn't her dad that showed up? That was no, not her dad. Stepdad. That's her stepdad, Ray. Okay, so then, but her dad the, died when she was a baby. Okay, exactly. Okay, so who was the mom with that she couldn't come down with? Then? Her, her new, mom her fourth was marriage. Her fourth marriage. So her other stepdad. Exactly. Yeah. Got you. Okay. okay, that makes sense. Okay. And he broke his foot golfing. How do you yeah. break your break foot, foot golfing? I'm sorry. Like, how I, does Tiger Woods not want to be a golfer when it's meant for old people? Like. Holly, I, I, I've golfed before. It has I never prevented well. me from like not going somewhere. Like like there's no I it, it can prevent you from but not. But how does Tiger Woods injure himself golfing? That's his back though, not his foot. He still probably made anything he wanted to do for his kids or whatnot. There's no way you injure your foot to where you can't attend something. Her mom just didn't golfing. care. Yeah. Day, let's, mom didn't yeah, let's just, like, let's like, yeah, it's like just, her mom didn't give a fuck. Like, that's right? what I'm because, getting at. Because like, later on in the movie, I'm sorry, Mugs, for butting in. But no, like, go ahead. Later in the movie, this motherfucker says, yo, you should come visit me and my 28th husband because I got extra fucking freaking flyer miles yeah. on my card. So and why it's just can't like, you fly to yeah. your daughter's graduation yeah, party? Like, bitch, she graduated from fucking college. Like, you can't Washington State University. You can't put your man in a wheelchair or on crutches. Or like, leave mean, your man at home. Yeah, that'll mean ladies leave your man at home. Your grandma. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's just like it's just like what kind of bullshit ass. Dude. And bullshit one other one other trash that I have, and this is gonna get graphic, and I don't want to do this. Um, but we have to. Um she doesn't she goes in that interview because her roommate, right, mm -hmm. has to go interview she, she interviews Christian Gray. She knows what Google is. She literally Googles like who he is and has the most basic photos of him yes. posing on cars. So whatever. But then in the meeting where they have she goes, What is a butt plug? How do you not Google First what a and butt foremost, plug? Bitch, like, how do you not Google you, what a butt plug yeah, is? If like, you are going to say Anal fisting is out. Butt plugs are what anal fisting is for. To loosen that shit up. So you first sound and foremost, mad. <laughs> I am mad because she knows better. She's like Googling, like you said, she's Googling Christian Grey. She's Googling what have you, BDSM, blah, blah, blah. You couldn't Google butt plug. Like, yeah. You're that concerned. Have that a was, problem with that. Like, I mean, come on. I, I mean, it I it was like in a business meeting. Have you know, do your research, I right? Feel like your research. I like but yeah. I feel like anal fisting is kind of self-explanatory. Well, I know, but butt, butt plugs, plugs not? A butt plug's not. <laughs> plugs your butt. 
Okay. I, I'm done. Look, I'm just Can someone to, else hey, go now? I'm just trying to, de- look, I'm just trying to defend Anastasia, all right? I'm trying to defend her a little no, bit. No, it plugs your butt, dumb bitch. You graduated from Washington <laughs> State University. You know what a butt plug is? Thank you. You sound mad. <laughs> I'm really mad. I'm really mad about this. Next. All right, Holly, what's your trash or treasure for this film? So I will talk about my trash first because I will always talk about my trash and then I'll end on a positive note. My trash with this movie, having read all the subsequent literary material, um, I think the connection between Jamie Dornham and Dakota Johnson is one of my trashes. I think as much as the book likes to portray them as opposite characters and likes to portray them as opposite personalities, I feel like on screen you don't feel the magneticism as you feel in the book. I want to also cite one of my trashes, having taken literary to movie material classes and wondering where they take cinematic adventures to. I wonder why this movie strays where it does. There's a certain scene that really bothers me just from a personal perspective as far as like Anastasia and Christian Grey go through her hardware store and they get zip ties and they get rope and they get sponsored by tape, Drex I think. rope. And they get <laughs> tape. And they get but I, I thought tape was No, they get not... zip ties, they get rope and they get tape and then she gets out of the car with him to have a conversation. After having been with somebody that's bought all three of those materials, I would never get in a car with someone, let alone out of a car with someone because that's serial killer making Um, So I feel like in the film to literary adaptation, they took a lot of freelance in that and that she would never get out of a car with him, let alone get in a car with him. And that to me creeps me out. But another trash I have is just kind of this falls along the age old tale of just being an ordinary person and having a billionaire fall in love with you just by being yourself on your own merits. It kind of falls along the storylines of The Prince and Me, Pretty Woman, all those stories of where an average girl falls in love with a billionaire or a millionaire and just makes it work and it's happy ever after. Um, But my treasures, I feel the aesthetic casting of Jamie Dornham and Dakota Johnson fulfill every single one of the character plot lines of what they should have been because when you read the source material Anna is a powder blue-eyed girl with a small sweet face with a small frame a meek flustered submissive personality with long legs and Christian is tall devastatingly handsome bright gray eyes unwavering and intense in a million dollar smile. That is horseshit. Guys, I just came. <laughs> this is bad. I went from six to midnight. <laughs> Tuck it into your waistband, honeys. So, another treasure of mine. Can I, can I stop you real quick, though? Yeah. <laughs> I, I read that Jamie Dorton, he was an underwear model before wow. all I this. believe it. Because oh. I'm just, I was going to add that as a treasure of Jamie Dornan's ass in this movie was oh, a I'm treasure not. for me. But before I was we, before before we get to that part, because um, <laughs> I don't want to impede on your your you. You know admiration you for his ass. You don't want to but, butt in. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't want to butt in on this. But he he uh, he stepped out his workout routine for this because okay, he thought, so did Dakota Johnson. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, he, I don't see that. <laughs> that but 
but he like stepped it up like because again he was an underwear model but i guess for the film they wanted him to be i guess in, in the books he's a really lean person mm-hmm. um he did five protein shakes a day where he'd wake up at 4 a.m or or in the Shake, middle of his sleep to take another protein shake and then go back to bed just no just way. to get just to get in physical shape for this movie. You guys didn't read that? No, but I feel like that's like what Taylor Lautner did for the Twilight series, like where he would carry a chicken breast in his pocket and like just to get the protein. In his pocket. That's well, his I pocket. mean, even Hugh Jackman for X-Men, he talked about, or for Wolverine, his, his character, like he talked about eating just boiled chicken or broccoli all the time just to get in shape for films. But I just thought it was interesting. It's like he, he, even though being an underwear model, like he had to step it up even more to get to fit this role. I didn't know that right. he was supposed to be so lean, but he had a, he was drinking, again, five shakes a day, waking up in the middle of the night just to drink it, just to get in physical shape for this. But I will go back to the aesthetic casting of this role. Like I feel like Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey were both, in my mind, kind of what I imagined as far as what the author had described in the original content. So I feel like the aesthetic casting, but again, one of my trashes was their connection. So Jamie Dornham and Dakota Johnson had no connection. No. When we're talking about this movie, like there was a magnetic connection. They had a brother sister connection though. God, that's what that's that's what they said. Not, that's what he said. This is not a film about incest. That's I'm we telling you. We are only playing on certain they, fetishes here okay, with this film. I mean, with this I'll film. just drink they my just, wine. They just have no on-screen chemistry. They have no on-screen on-screen chemistry, and I think that's that's, that's very, very evident. That very we can evident. Yeah, all transparent. Agree on. Everything. Yeah, I think that's something that we can all agree on. However, I feel like the aesthetic casting of what I imagine Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey to be from reading the source material, I feel like it was very it was good. However, the acting quality was a trash. Another treasure of mine would be the soundtrack. I feel like the soundtrack was phenomenal. A one from day one. Yeah. Oh, I God. feel disgusting. When you have the weekend on any film Did you say A one from day one? That's exactly what I said. Quote me on that. That's no. No. I gotta okay. disagree with you. I wanna hear your, I wanna hear objections, Jason <laughs> Lucas. This movie is absolute crap. You don't like the soundtrack though. The soundtrack. The was soundtrack. Cool. I like nothing about What's this on movie. What's on your solitaire? Under my trash, I have I'm dislike. Sorry. What's solitaire. on your solitaire playlist here, Mugga? What do you, What do you play when you Mugga play solitaire? Mugga plays Nickelback's "How You Remind Me" and he plays Creed with the arms wide open and "Big Bang Take Little Bang." That's on his playlist. If I play that song or those songs, everyone's happy. If we do anything with Fifty Shades of Grey, like the weekend. No I'm the just saying, weekend you is put on the weekend and drop Come on. The soundtrack in and of itself is very much reminiscent of the film, of the book series. I feel like it fulfills a lot of things. Like there's a Beyonce teaser on it, the weekend highlights on it. There's a lot of people on the soundtrack that add to the overall feeling of the film. And so I think the soundtrack is very much a treasure. And my last treasure is it's a close mirror to the book. Like there are certain quotes from this movie that you guys think are cheesy or think aren't relevant that actually relate to the source material. Can you give us some? I don't make love. I fuck. That's exactly That's one Erica. of them. That's exactly one of them. All the ones that we That was can- in the book. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. So he give, give, give us some more. No, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go down that lane because I know that you will get very turned on by what I say. But uh, debatable. <laughs> Ooh, six to midnight over there, Ryan. <laughs> debatable. <laughs> no, but there's a lot of lines in the movie that directly correlate to the source material of the book that I think ignite 
a lot of the original fan base of people that loved the book that went to see this movie. I think they placate a lot of the fans as far as relating a lot of the quotes, a lot of the memorable material. They put that in the movie. So there's a lot of quotable things that they put that people who have read the books and people who enjoyed the books, they will enjoy about the movie. I just want to give a round of applause to Holly's vocabulary because I feel like a lot of our listeners are going to have to bust out their Webster's dictionary (laughs) for this. She's smart. She's educated. She's, she's snapped. All right. Jason, (laughs) Jason, what's your uh, trashy treasure with this movie? Honestly, I don't know where to start because my trashes are, they're weighing down this bar right now. Um, I'll start with my treasures. Some I don't want to talk about, but some of the one-liners are funny. Um, uh, like, again, I'm grasping at straws. This is kind of like the Mexican all over again. Like, I really don't know what my treasures are with this movie. But there's one where Anastasia talks about how she'll wear a burlap sack. Mm-hmm. And when she shows up, she's wearing a dress. That's a treasure? And, and No, no, no. And oh. Christian Grey says, that's a hell of a sack, Miss Steele. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> that's a good line. That was a good setup that's for a That's a hell line. of a sack. That was a, that was a good setup for a line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, 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 I... He's flipped the page five times. I just, I don't have a lot of likes with this. I mean... All right, Jason, let's just skip Jason, it. Let's just go to your trash. J- Jason, next Screw time, it. highlight your treasures. <laughs> Just go to trash. I just There's like just stuff I don't want to talk about. No, like, I just feel like this whole movie made you uncomfortable, Jason. Well, and Jason, it this made, is so it out of my, this Jason, is so out of my element. I don't. It you made know what? Jason uncomfortable because Jason is Christian Grey. You know what? You know what? Just Jason, if you want to run through it, just just run through it. You know, like yeah, whatever. Run run just through run through it, man. No, Do there's it. stuff I really don't want to talk about. Okay, but fair enough. Fair enough. We, uh, we want you to talk about it. No, no, we don't. No, no, there's well, not. No, stop peer pressure. Um, if he wants to talk about, he'll talk about it. I think there's there's some some interesting moments where Christian Gray is like really nervous in front of his mom. Like I just I think oh. that part was weird. Like although he has like this weird side to him, like his mom like makes him nervous. Yeah. I don't know. Like makes him uncomfortable to a point where like you can see it on screen. I mean, again, I've never read the books. Yeah. But I just think that watching the movie, like I, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I can to watch. I can give you the background if you wanted to know, but. Nah, you can save it. Um, I think he uses condoms a lot, so at least he's safe. So <laughs> Is that a treasure? I guess, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Safe Again, sex, saves checks. Yeah, okay, yeah. so oh let's just get to it, because... Trash, I, here we go, trash. So trash. Okay, the, the biggest one I think I have, and I think you guys already alluded to it, is how mechanical, how the acting is just so god-awful. It's so freaking bad. Like... Again, I've never read the books, but the way that they speak to each other, it's not, again, it kind of goes back, not to the charisma part, but just like there's no connection, there's no chemistry between the two of them. Like, right. I feel like, yeah. like... But do you, okay, but having heard my opinion about how Christian Grey is in the novel, of very much in his lifestyle and in his BDSM things, and how Anastasia Steele is like this college senior, does that make sense? I mean, it does, but I mean, there, there's literally a line in the movie that says, terminating this conversation. And it's like, <laughs> and I'm like, what the, f-? like, who the fuck ever says that? Like, they do. Who says that? Um, they do. So after Anastasia gets drunk at the bar and he takes her back to the room, he's like, I will launder this item. And it's like, are we talking to a T800 
uh, from Terminator One. Are we talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh my god! Like that's what I feel like we're talking yeah. to a fucking. It's cyborg robotic. Right now. Yes. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, the music. I'm sorry, is god awful. Oh they do god. play a Rolling Stones song, which is amazing, but like everything else, trash. <laughs> the first time they have sex, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Trash. Yes. <laughs> Another trash. Lots of man butt. Lots of man butt. I don't like that. That's a treasure. Huh? I like Charlie Hunnam's man butt though. You do see a lot of okay, and that's the way you see that. But the weird, th- the, the weird thing I'm gonna go off of though is that like, Jamie Dornan said that he would have been nude in this whole thing. He had did no. Did you guys problem. not notice would, when he took his pants off and they did that brief look at his shaft? Yeah, you got some half he, dick. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't manscaped. That's what blew my mind. I was like, come on, Jamie. But did it bug you that she was not groomed as well? Oh yeah, in I saw. Book, in I the saw book, that. She's bush. not groomed. In the book, she's not groomed. But, At 21 but, years old, you better be but, fucking groomed. No, no, but but that doesn't bug me. Because she's a virgin. What bugs you? Because she's not a... That's actually a like. They kind of kept true to the story. Like, she's a virgin. That so, doesn't mean you have a bush. Yeah. But she's not... Expect, she doesn't... She doesn't... I'm just saying, just because concern. you're not a virgin doesn't mean you don't... You don't adhere to social norms. Yeah. But I don't think she was anticipating anything happening. They kept true to it. You don't think so? Yeah, that's what he's saying. He's I'm like, saying in the book... He's not saying there's a problem. He no, just, but I'm saying in the book, she says, are you going to make love to me tonight? And what is he she saying? was anticipating it. Like she was, she was anticipating social relations, if you will, and she still did not choose to. She even even her visit. legs were hairy in the movie too. They were. Yeah, there was yes. a scene. There was a scene where yes. I saw it too. Yes, in the uh, light, like, you can see it. So that's almost a like a treasure for me because, like, okay, at least you're gonna keep to that. Like, hey, she's okay. a virgin. She's not anticipating. Again, never reading the books. So I'm just watching. It's like, okay, well, that that makes sense. I guess that's a oh, kind well, of a I treasure. Didn't that. Um, the dislikes just con- the, the the trash is just continue. Um, <laughs> he doesn't want to take her virginity, but he wants to fix. Her yes. virginity. Oh, yeah, that's, yes. like, that's a problem. That's fucking weird. That to me. is, that is beyond awful. I, I I did not like that. Like do what I say, kind of thing, and I'll give you nice things. Yeah. Like well, that's he, what he, he, he 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 gives the sweetener in the contract. The sweetener. What's the sweetener, mugs? Uh, I will give you a date every a week. week. Every week. This would only of whatever happen you to do. a virgin. Yeah. To this a virgin, yeah, to a virgin. To a virgin. Oh, wait, guys! Remember how we were talking in pre-production when he squeezes his desk when they're having the interview? Yeah, how I, creepy is that? Or so there was another time where she mentioned she was a virgin, and he's like crushing the table he's leaning against. Like he's just wanting to. Like fuck she a virgin. says, she says she's a virgin, and he like grips that table and like breaks it in half. Almost. As Holly says, creepy. She makes his dick twitch. Just a couple more trashes. Uh, one of them is there's a lot of lip biting. I don't know why, but I, I didn't like that. Um, one is when, at the very end of the movie, where Christian hits Anna six times, he becomes extremely sweaty. Yeah, he's, he came. He's like really sweaty, but like the way he's hitting her is very... Light. Light, and it's like, I would imagine her being sweaty, like anticipating something like, oh my God, I'm gonna get hit or flogged right now, but he looks like he just worked out for an hour and a half. I think it's because he was horny like it made him it made him horny and that's what i'm, I'm curious about. Sorry. that was that was the whole thing in the book that it alluded to his own sexual fulfillment mm. he came okay. well i know but he liked he liked to inflict pain as a form of control again something i know nothing about and then uh the last thing is just just more of a thought than anything like i feel like anastasia has this i can change him mentality 
Yeah. You can't change anyone unless they want to change. I agree. I I subscribe to the age old adage of the only time you can change a man is when he's in diapers. Oh, girl, preach. Yeah, I you just can't, you can't change somebody. Like you can't change somebody unless he wants to. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, aka Rocky Balboa, once said, "If I can change, you can change. Everybody can change." Yeah, that's what she's saying. Is like we can't force men to change unless they want to change. Exactly. Yeah, you can't change somebody like, to want to be healthier you can't change somebody to want to be sober you can't change somebody to want to be a different person unless they in and of themselves want that change for themselves it's just like uh, astrid say in crazy rich asians she's like uh, she's like i'm done trying to make you a man i can't make you into something you're not boom boom i read crazy rich asians and i feel that it's good i need to read that remember Okay. I heard the movie's good. Oh, I loved it. I yeah. cried a little bit. Not gonna front. I cried. Jason, what are your trashes on Fifty Shades right, of Grey? Jason, continue. Jason, no, continue. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, it. like, nobody wants to change unless they want to change. Yes. And I think that's the point that we're trying to make is that nobody else can make you feel the way you want to feel. And if you feel like you're justified in your own decisions, you're gonna continue with those decisions. This subscribes to the age-old adage of the average girl changing some billionaire or some prince or some king or some whatever and it subscribes to this whole ideology that you can change someone. I don't even think it, it happens just with people with money or anything. I feel like this it's is... It's a fixing situation. I think it, I think it happens all the time. Like no, it does. And I people think wanting it, to fix other people. Exactly. Right. And I think it, they can be poor, they can be rich, they can be whatever the fuck you want them to be. But I think it's like there are some people out there that want to just fix people and want to help people and that's very sweet of them but you can't do that everyone yeah your significant other is not a project yeah you know you can't treat him as such you can't expect that i just feel like i, I don't know i just i didn't i didn't like that part because you just i just feel like it, it wasn't realistic it, typically it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't work yeah doesn't I, agree. Work. Okay. And I think we talked about the whole like uh young girls young girls mostly being, want to fix people yeah being yeah being inexperienced um i mean let's just call this movie you know or this book what it is it's beauty and the beast like it's literally Beauty and the Beast. Really? And when you look at a, I mean, look, you have a literal beast who's a who's an asshole, kills people, kidnaps people, etc. Does he and kill Belle, people? Yeah, I mean, maybe in like the the book Corporate before world. before the adaptation. I'm not talking about this movie. I'm talking about Beauty and the Beast in oh, general. Like, yeah. But what I'm saying, I'm relating it to that in that you have a literal beast who's who's closed off, shut off, can't connect with people, mm-hmm. you know, always wants to have things his way, has to control everything around him. And he meets this, you know, sweet girl who comes in and essentially changes him into the prince that she wants him to be, that the reader expects her to change him into. Yeah. And I think this is this is the same thing. It, it takes kind of like that, that fairy tale aspect and, you know, it just adds the kind of the sexuality to it. Same thing with maybe the Twilight series. I isn't. I think that's the same dynamic that exists between uh, what's his name, uh, Edward, Edward, Edward and Bella. That's the same dynamic that exists between them. And I think that's kind of the thing we've been perpetuating, at least the messaging that we're trying to send to to young women, you know, girls, is that you know all your princesses, your Disney princesses, they have to change. They have to change the guy that they're trying to get with, or they have to change something about themselves in order to be acceptable in a man's eyes. And this movie deals with, I guess you could say the drama in Anastasia trying or I guess dealing with the struggle that comes with changing herself to become acceptable for somebody who's unwilling to change. And also with her struggles in trying to change somebody that would be acceptable for her. When the reality is just like, it's not for you. 
Like yeah. it ain't for you. Like you're not going to change him. You know, you're not going to change for him because you would lose yourself in that. And I, I think that's a very, very dangerous thing to perpetuate when you're dealing with young people who are inexperienced in terms of romance, their sexuality, uh, societal expectations, gender roles, etc. I think every female has had a relationship though where they tried to change someone and it never works out. And I think that's just, just what it is. You yeah. can't do it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure all you men have had a female who's tried to change you and That's, never worked out. Yeah. So people don't change. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Erica, uh, you got some comments. Oh, so Jesus tell us your trashy treasure for this movie. Um, we'll start off with my treasure. My treasures are far and few. Um, one treasure is good to know that they were accurate by posting the 12th man flag on top of the space needle for the Seahawks victory in the Super Bowl. I concur. Yeah. Uh, my other treasure was... Okay, th- my my other treasure kind of goes with my trash because I was speaking with Corwin last night about it. And just to be 100% honest, a lot of us watch pornography. We do. If I you, don't. That's debatable. It's debatable. If you say <laughs> you don't, you're probably a liar. Um, but no. So like a lot <laughs> of people watch pornography for the obvious reasons. It gets you riled up. It gets you going. You know? Um, she really paints a picture, huh? <laughs> No, it, no. So this is gonna be my. We'll go my. We'll go with my treasure or my trash. Sorry. What are you talking about, Eric? <laughs> Pornography, Jason. I no. never seen a porno. Well, no. So like, it gets you. It gets you riled up. It gets you going. Men don't act like you're all not subscribed to Bang Bros and Pornhub. Um, but so I have no idea what those things are. Can you spell that out? I don't yeah. know. What you're I'm more of a uh, reality. P o r n h u b dot com Pornhub. Never heard of it. I was having this discussion with Corwin last night, and like I said, just you know. Full disclosure, um, people watch porn and they enjoy it. It gets riled up. It gets what have you, whatever, whatever happens to you during this pornographic experience. And I was telling Kerwin that none of this made me excited as a female. And I've heard a lot of females who have communicated with me that, oh yeah, I get so excited and you know, this is great. And I would love for this to happen to me. And I told Corwin last night, these are females who don't have a very exciting sex life is essentially what it is, which brings me to my treasure. The only thing I liked about this whole entire sexual experience was when Christian Grey had Anna in the bed, blindfolded, tied up to the headboard, and he, in one false swoop, grabbed her ankles or whatever and flipped her over and slapped her ass. And I was like, oh... Mr. Gray can see me too. And that was the only oh, this treasure. Is awkward. <laughs> this is awkward. That is the only treasure I had. The Seahawks victory and Christian Gray. That's what you got on this movie. That's what I got <laughs> this whole even, entire movie. Do you even like the Seahawks? She, she no, likes the slap and the 12th man. <laughs> I do. I do. Because it was accurate. Because this is how much I hate this movie. The only cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. <laughs> Ass slapping in football. This is how much I hate this movie. And I told Kerwin, I was like, this is not realistic. This is a CSI investigation waiting to happen. This would never have happened. Like, unless he was a billionaire playboy. But even of that, like, my mom would tell me, Erica, use a better judgment. Like, what are you doing? Like, all of it. Trash, trash, every single moment, trash. I was drier than the Sahara Desert, trash. So Erica, tell us how you really felt. 
Lung, lung <laughs> Trash. God. So terrible. All of it terrible. So Kerwin can't even get to the mic. Kerwin, so, what is your so... experience? Okay, can I just say something one more time to you? Yeah, please. Okay. We want you to keep going. Also, because she was a virgin, this is not what happens to virgins when they have sex. The end. That's all. That's all. That's all I had to say. Trash. Everything was trash. I have a, like I told you guys earlier, I have a friend in the BDSM community and everything. Trash. I sound like rich right now, but whatever. Karen, what's your trash or treasure? Um, Were you drier than the Sahara Desert? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was softer than a deflated bounce house. Thank you, Karen. Softest dick in California. Thank you. Wow. This is so bad. Wow. This is so bad. All right. Have fun editing so, this. All right. Um, as far as the things I liked, uh, as far as the things I liked, I'm gonna say um, I think Dakota Johnson did a did a kind of good job playing the kind of like the meek shy girl. Yeah, I, I, I think, liked her. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give her props. Like she she definitely played that role. Uh, Cut you up. Go ahead. That end scene, right? Does she do a good job in it? I mean, where she's getting whipped. Um, oh, I felt but, bad for her. Yeah, I, mean, I, felt, I felt bad. But I think that was the, like, what she was trying to go for. That was, I was the point. Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, think she, I thought that was an interesting the scene. One, the one part in this whole movie, I'm like, okay, acting's good. because But then she gets up and she starts talking. And you're like, fuck. You know, like, but, like, when she's going through all of that, I mean, you're like, man, this is not good, you know? Like, yeah. No, not good in a she, good way. Yeah. It looked like it hurt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt really bad. For the me. director did a good job too with the angles and like mm-hmm. her feet going. Yeah, but sorry, yeah. sorry and to cut you off. No, sorry you're good, man. You're good. Um, and I'll also, you know, I'll, I'll give this movie props for some cinematography. Um, I did like the scene where they're having that, uh, like that business meeting in that red, I guess, like against the glass or whatever. Yeah, yep. I thought I thought that was like a really well shot scene, and I thought I thought that was the only time in the movie. Where I felt like things were like heating up between them, and it's, it's ironic. It's very dark prior yeah. to that, yeah. And it's and it's ironic because like they are sitting eight feet away from each yeah. other on this long business table. They're not even touching each other, being physical, and it's it's literally all business. And I felt like that alone had so much more weight to it than any of the sex scenes, their initial mm-hmm. meetings, them you know coming to meet each other, etc. Like I felt like that's probably the one good part in the movie where they have that contract discussion because I actually felt like you can tell there's like you know something there's a sexual energy to that scene and I will give that one scene props so that that, that would be a good scene yeah that would be my treasure for this movie also the bodyguard he's the Australian pilot yeah. from Pacific Rim so shout out to that dude Kevin Taylor. Costner is that you yeah so that that dude uh, he was in that's Pacific Rim that's where he's Rim. from I yeah. kept trying to think of where he was from yeah he's the guy's right. dad yeah I forgot to say something really quick in What's that up? scene that was one of my trash too. How do you just leave a giant sushi roll sitting on the table and not even eat it? <laughs> That's my fat ass in meat. There was a sushi roll and she just got up and left. She didn't even eat it. Okay. I have nothing. I don't know what to say. Like, you didn't notice that? No. All right, okay. most all right, just just so anybody listen, like most sushi restaurants, if you leave rice, that's like disrespectful. Like yeah. if you leave if you leave rice behind, that's mad disrespectful. So yeah, I, I got you. I got Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. All right. So I got a lot of trash for this movie. Number one, I'm gonna go uh with I'm gonna just get the minor shit out of the way. Soundtrack is terrible. Done. <gasps> Thank you. Trash. Thank you. Trash. How? I get I, Danny Elfman like, the weekend, to, Ellie Goulding. Hold on, hold on. Rolling Stones is the only good. To Holly's point. To Holly's earlier point. 
the soundtrack does convey the mood they're trying to set for the film but it just comes off as so campy and ridiculous i feel like they're using the soundtrack to compensate for the inability of the cast and crew to convey that feeling there's a lot of times where shit just grinds to a halt and the soundtrack plays and i'm like i get what you're trying to do here your actors directors and crew and the script should be doing that i shouldn't you shouldn't have to rely on the soundtrack and i feel like they over rely on it to convey that trash my next one stereotypically how to make somebody look rich in the movies you put their name all over a bunch of shit like pencils and yachts and walls and helicopters like they show gray pencils and gray staplers and all that other shit in the opening interview scene it's just like we get it his name's on a bunch of shit we get the google search yeah the google search yeah yeah, um, have people only refer to them by their last name. Oh, Mr. Gray, Mr. Gray, Mr. Gray. Have them order a drink, and it takes them 10 seconds to order a drink because they have to tell the, the fucking bartender how to mix it. It's just like, just order your fucking drink. They probably know how to make it. That's, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's just like, you're not double, if you're not 007, don't tell the fucking bartender how to make your fucking drink. You fly various aircraft to the sound of meditative top 40 pop music. It's like, oh, we're getting in. We're getting in your helicopter. It's so romantic. Take me around Seattle and whip me with your shit. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, show a row of cars and then have the girl be like, oh, which one is yours? All of them. Like, also, yeah, like we get it. We get it. He's fucking rich. And we they're get all it. Audis. And they're yeah. all Audis. And then also in that one scene, uh, he left in a black Audi and took her to her apartment and it was a great Audi. Uh. Way to be a way to be also the whole scene where they leave on the hang glider thing. He parked his car there, right? Yeah, yeah. When they get to the hangar, his car's also there. Add either it teleports or someone drove it, but like no one, I mean, add placement. Yeah, there you go. That's that's what I was getting at. Tony Stark did it better with the Audis. Yeah. Yes, he yeah. did. He did. He did. He has a private aircraft hangar because that's how you make somebody rich in a movie. When <laughs> you have people walk by and somebody's like, oh, snap, that's Christian Grey. Like, we get it. He, he's fucking rich. Have a bodyguard that's cool or close with the significant other. Happens all the time. Pace about loudly in your apartment and yell at somebody about a fucking business meeting that you're having. Like, no, close the deal. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll be there tomorrow. Click. Like, it's all like movie tropes. This is like, like when we talk about how the book is like, you know, I've never read the book or whatever, but I definitely feel like this is a lot of uh, E.L. James influence. And I feel like there's a lot of like... uh, it's, it's very naive as far as depicting how a certain person is and very stereotypical. It's just like, oh, these are all the things that I've seen in movies or what I imagine a rich person to be like. So we have to have the hanger. And, you know, most movies will do one or two of those tropes. This movie does every fucking rich guy trope. And it's it's just so fucking like juvenile. Like to the pencils. Yeah, like yeah. To the, the, the pencils. Freaking yeah. pencils, yeah. man. Yeah. It's just like, you can't even afford a pen. You had, a, you had pencils. Yeah, it's like buy a Bic. Like, don't, you don't need to put your fucking name on all the pencils and shit. I don't know. And then getting into Christian Grey himself, like Jamie Dornan, I'm, I'm sure he's a great actor, to Erica's point, like she said before. But in this movie, I, I don't know if it's a chemistry. Horrible. Yeah, he, Horrible. Like Jason said, like he is a fucking android sent from the fucking future to kill this girl. Like, as the movie goes on, like you see like, you slowly see him trying to appear human, trying to hide his robotic nature. But anybody with two eyes can see that he's struggling to mimic the actions of a true human in this time. Coming from the year 3025, 
You know, he he has no idea how to interact with humanity, and it shows. Anastasia, are you drunk? Yeah, it's it's terrible. This conversation yeah. is terminated. You see, like you see, just like facial twitches, or he just has blank stares, and it's just like, oh, what do I do now? Like, like, like he's in the photo shoot with her, and the dude's like smile, and he just like keeps his eyes on her during the photo shoot, just like creeping on her. He's like, you gonna smile or what? Like you never, you're you're a rich guy. You never been at a photo shoot and I smiled. We barely get like a slight smirk at one point, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah. And then there's one point where he's just like, I'm not the man for you. You have to steer clear of me. I have to let you go. Yeah, and, was and, freaking and, they, weird. and they hung out for five minutes. They hung out for, <laughs> yeah. five, and then and then immediately after that, he sends her a fucking gift. This like, is a the? this is a, this is a virgin tendencies. I'm yeah. sorry, it's virgin tendencies. Yeah. Only a virgin would fall for this shit. Yeah, it's just like, oh my god, he loves me, but then he's pushing me away. But then he's gonna give me amazing gifts. Uh, it's just like, it's just get the f- grow the fuck up. I I and did then, love though when she's drinking like a cosmopolitan or an apple martini, whatever it was, and she's like, I'm breaking contract rule, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. That was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, cause what, because because she kind of like fuck your contract, dude. Yeah. yeah. I, I did. I did enjoy yeah. that. That's how I felt about this whole movie. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck, fuck the goddamn guy. contract. Yeah. You Who know? cares like, about it? Like you're already boning. Like yeah. Do what you want. Like you've already got me. Like why do we got to do this she's shit? Already, yeah. You know? She's already S and Ming. Like you don't need a contract. S and M. Okay, Rihanna. Like, and then, fuck. And then there's a part where like she drunk dials him on her flip phone in 2012. I, Who the fuck has a flip phone? And like, okay, no, my thing, no. Okay, but my whole thing is Christian Grey. You can buy her a MacBook. You can buy her a car. You can buy her all this shit. You can't buy her a new iPhone. You have this bitch still on the flip phone. Come on, man. Come on. He bought her a BlackBerry. In 2012. Yeah. I guess. In the movie or in the book? In the book and the movie. He bought her a Blackberry. When did he buy her a Blackberry? Fifty maybe, Shades Freed? Fifty not, Shades Darker? No, but in, in the book, he bought her a Blackberry. But, but what about what about that bar scene? That's that's interesting. Yeah, like he shows up. creep. He shows that's up. That's a red flag. When Holly the dude, would not let me go home I with will that say guy. This. No. I will say this, though. I'm glad he showed up to break it up when Jose was creeping on that, creeping <laughs> on her. <laughs> but like, how does he find her, though? That's, that's what I'm getting in, to. Holly, do you know that? In the book... He calls his security person and he gets her location and he comes to the bar. Like he was like, where is Anastasia still right now? And That's he was so like, creepy. oh, she's she's here. And he finds her and he goes to the bar. So he's bu- he's bugged her by this point. He knows her location based off her cellular activity. How? And how oh. is he able to do that? Because he has inside people that That's, know where she is. government clearances. He's it's a, a billionaire. Christian motherfucking gray. <laughs> That's what he's got. Red fucking flags everywhere. Right. And then um, <laughs> there's one point where he's just like, Spoiler alert, he's like, the guy. yeah, he's like, he's like, at one point he's like, I am incapable of leaving you alone or I don't do romance. My tastes are very singular. And then at one point he says to her, if you were mine, you would not be able to sit down for a week. It's just like, it's just like this robotic Delivery, other dumbass lines like "I would love to bite that lip." It's just like we get it. It's just so fucking stupid. And and then he's like, "I'm not gonna touch you, not until I have your written consent." After he's been touching her all fucking movie long, you've been touching her all movie long, and you immediately start. You've been touching her like, and I'm not gonna touch you till I have the paperwork. Like. I don't know. Like this is this is I don't know. There, I, feel like, I feel like that kind of goes into what I was talking about too, though, about like her feeling she can change this person because he says all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But like to your point, they've already kind of done everything. But it's like okay, well maybe then I have this in. 
mm-hmm. I can change this person to get out of his the whatever his ways are now. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I kind of I think I feel like it kind of plays into that too. Like it gives her this perception that she, for whatever reason, who she is, his attraction to her, their attraction to each other, that he can change her. Yeah. And, and she just, can change him. And just everything. She can change him. Sorry, she can change him. I apologize. Everything about this dude. Everything about this dude is written like he's a robot. Like he puts yeah. her in the harness, and he said, "Oh, when they're in the helicopter, and he buckles her in, there's no escaping now." Out. What? Or or when he's just like, "I want you to willing you willingly submit yourself to me." Or when he finds out she's a virgin, which is one of oh your things. Oh my god! And his literal response is, "I'm gonna rectify the situation." That's let's horrible. let's have yeah. a conversation about that how rapey. Yeah, let's have a conversation about after you know she loses her virginity. He carries her out out of uh, the bedroom, and it's literally is she covered in like a robe or something when yeah. he carries her out? It's literally like a scene out of Superman when he carries like Lois Lane. Usually she'll be draped in his cape or whatever. I, I'm telling you, it's literally like a shot from a comic book yeah. panel. It's like Man of Steel, Superman. It's like she died. It's like it's Man like, of Steel, Anastasia Steel. What is this? Yeah, what is this? whole narrative that E.L. James is perpetuating that a woman maybe she's perpetuating it maybe she's communicating that maybe she's not I'm not gonna put that shit on her but it's just like this feels like only a man can validate a woman's sexuality or she needs to be rescued from I don't know rescued from yeah like she like being being having your virginity taken away is equivalent to a rescue that is very disturbing and weird to showcase like just the the visual imagery itself is disgusting and the fact that you know you talked about how like young girls young kids are like looking at this and rating it so high maybe glorifying it or seeing that this is the way you know adult an adult sex life a healthy adult sex life is supposed to be like that's just not cool to to visualize and portray it that way but this is what, how what, we end up with a lot of 16 and pregnant people. But what, I'm more talking about like when he says like, oh, he finds out she's a virgin and it's like, oh, I'm going to fix you. It's like, oh, you're malfunctioning or you're not operating properly. Now I'm going to fix you. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's disturbing. Some of these lines it's in this weird. movie. It's just weird. It was cringe. It's very, very cringeworthy. Yeah, I don't know. Just there's a lot of lines that he says that are just so robotic so stupid so unrealistic i like i can't even i can't even get past it like most other characters in this movie him and the roommate have the worst dialogue one of the worst of all being i'm 50 shades of fucked up shut the fuck up get out of here i I see what you're trying to do here like get out and then just the sex scenes i i went into this movie thinking like oh this is gonna be you know raunchy you know i'm I'm, you know i'm not gonna see a porn i'm not gonna see a porno yeah i was prepared for something like a little wild and everything in this movie is kind of vanilla like i see this done it seen that been there done that seen that done it i'm like what what is the appeal of this because like this is all shit that like this isn't even venturing into like i would assume bdsm stuff because a lot of the shit they showed is like pretty vanilla this is this is shit you do like your second or third year in college, you know what I'm saying? Like this is this is basic shit. You know what I'm saying? I guess I'm I'm super vanilla then. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm I'm really vanilla. Then. Yeah, but I don't know, just <laughs> trash. Trash. Fifty Shades of Trash. Fuck it. Let's go to our ticket prices. Yes, because I I yeah. need to do this. I, yeah. I have to. Yeah. All right, Mugga, how much are you paying to watch Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> I mean, I. You didn't. You watched it for free. I, I did watch it for free, <laughs> and I tried to watch it, and and I'm like, no, I didn't watch it again. 
I'm gonna give it zero fucking dollars. I I can't. I I will not watch this ever again. I didn't watch free harder. Darker, whatever, whatever that, whatever is going on. I don't know. Dark I didn't Fifty watch Shades any of Harder. The other well, that's staying in. This, <laughs> this, this movie harder. sucks, dude. Like it really sucks bad, and I, I, I will never watch it again. I watched it that one time. I'm giving it zero dollars. My first ever zero dollar rating. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't care. I'm doing it. Holly, how much would you pay to watch this movie? So since I read all of the books and I saw it, it's opening weekend. I would give it, knowing what I know now, a solid five dollars. Ew. You're giving this a monetary value. Yeah. Wow. Short right. the books. Short the books. Short the books. Short the, the books. books. So I, I will say that aesthetically it does what the book did. However, it leaves a lot to be imagined, and I feel like it's no slight on the director it's no slight on the actors it's no slight on anybody involved in the cast or crew it's just going based off the source material and the source material did not leave a lot to be desired mm-hmm. trash <laughs> jason how much would you pay to watch this movie i mean i i did more research on this movie than i'd ever want to do um <laughs> i also watched this twice and I, I, I'm, I'm guessing from Mugga's math, I did probably about $40. I paid about 40 bucks to watch this movie twice. But you twice. were begging to watch Darker and Freed. You want this to be the you next episode. You want this to week. be the next Again, episode. You um, need this to be the next episode. I'm going to give you a Webster's Dictionary about sarcasm later, Holly, because <laughs> that was a joke. Um, I definitely don't want to watch any of the sequels to this nor if they come with a prequel or someone else's rendition or viewpoint. I don't want to watch a documentary about this. I don't it really paints a picture. Yeah, I don't want to watch any anything about this movie ever again. So you don't even want to listen to the podcast after. Um, I've listened to every podcast numerous times but um, that we've put out, but I think that this one I, I may not listen to. Um, uh, again, doing research, there's interesting stuff um, about you know, casting, you know, what countries forbid this from being played in it. Uh, But I think I'm going to have to go, no, I don't think, I know I'm going with a $0 rating because this movie is just, the acting is just too mechanical for me. And again, I gave it a second chance. I know Mugga watched it once. I I, honestly, I I went on Amazon Prime and I paid $3.99 to rent it. I watched it again and I don't like like repeating like I, I guess I guess the definition of what is it um, insanity insanity is <laughs> repeating the same thing over and over again expecting a different result yes. and I guess that's what I was doing to myself I, I went insane for a second and I, I rented this yet again for three ninety nine. I paid God knows how much to watch it in theaters but now paid $4 to watch it again and uh, just going over my research and looking at everything um yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a zero for me. Erica, how much would you pay? Um, I'm gonna start this off by saying I'm really pissed off that I paid three ninety nine to rent this on Amazon Prime because I thoroughly, as a female, hated this movie. Um, also because I didn't want to ask my boyfriend's mom if I could borrow the movie <laughs> <laughs> to watch because that's awkward. So I'm gonna give it a zero dollars because that's how much I hated this movie. All right, uh, I'm paying zero. Cool. <laughs> Are we done with? I mean, 
it's just like it really, you hit me like a fireball. We all, we all hate like this a, movie. Like a, like a, you so, want to just get it over with. You don't like that okay. shot, but we're gonna do it again. So five divided by five people is a dollar. Got we that. give a dollar to. We all would pay a dollar to watch <laughs> this movie. <laughs> it's that bad. And the only reason we we're giving a dollar is because I gave five dollars. Yeah, yes, it's that yes. bad. This is the worst rated movie in the history of twenty dollar ticket. By the way, how can I return? How can I return this movie and get my three ninety nine back? You, you know what? I you know I will I will say this though. <sighs> Maybe I was too hard on you, Elf. Maybe I was too hard on you. The narwhal. It is weird to think about. Now that you go back and think about other ratings you've given, and yeah. it's like, but like this is a true zero. You know what? True I, zero. I, I will say this. You know, Elf. I was too hard on you, but I'm still gonna give you a zero. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> right, can I bring up one thing? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. We're gonna give this a one dollar rating. Yeah. We would all pay a dollar to watch this. Fine. I'm having buyers. Something that might night. make this better. Charlie Hunnam. More memorable. No, not even Charlie Hunnam. It's Tom Cruise. <gasps> If Tom Cruise was in this movie, okay. Tom Cruise as for one, um, he would like make this better. But what character would he be in this movie? Christian Grey. No. Okay, well, that's, no. that's debatable. Let's, no. let's go down the list. Who would you pick, Holly? I'm going to start with you, Holly. I... If Tom Cruise is in this movie, anywhere you want to oh make the movie God. better, where would you put him? Tom Cruise would be Christian Grey's bodyguard. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good good one. one. Yeah, because I'm I'm just saying, like, you guys know my opinions about Tom Cruise. He's 5'6", which is is my height, which is the female average height, and so I don't find that attractive. But I'm just saying, if Tom Cruise... Yes, I don't like that at all, but go ahead. Why don't you like that at all? He's 5'6". Just go on. Just go on. I I think he's short, but I feel like he's mighty, and I feel like if he was Christian Grey's bodyguard, it would... It would carry a tone. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? He's, he's, he's mighty. mighty. He's mighty. He's mighty. It's like Mighty, mighty Mouse. Power mighty, Ranger. mighty Mighty Mouse. Yeah, <laughs> Mighty Thor. Like what? Oh my God! I'm gonna start using that. He's mighty. He's mighty. Um, no, I feel like as Christian Grey's bodyguard, he would add some sort of spunk, sp- fire to this film. I'm not going to use spunk, spunk because pun intended. She just used punk spunk. Erica, I if just, Tom Cruise in this movie, where would you put him? Anastasia Steele. <laughs> what? <laughs> you just totally like literally derailed the train. You made this a it's a new movie. It's a new movie. It's a new Brokeback Mountain for 2014. Welcome allies. Thank you. Okay. Kerwin, wow. if Tom Cruise is in the movie, I mean, nobody runs in this movie. I would put him, I would put him as Christian Grey because the dude's like a fucking assassin. In any other movie, Christian Grey would also be a secret agent or a vigilante of some sort. The way he's able to track her down at the club and the way he just shows up when she's visiting her parents. But Corinne, I have to, I have to ask you, like from this stage of Tom Cruise being a 50 some year old man. Oh, I would totally. I'm, I'm giving you a crazy look. But I'm just asking from a tall, devastatingly attractive, bright gray eyes, unwavering and intense with a million dollar smile. You'd really put that on Tom Cruise? Yeah. I mean, I just tall. gave my reason. Tall. I just gave my tall. reason. Look, he's tall. tall. Look. He's cute. Top Gun. Like, Tom have, Cruise. Have you ever heard of Force Perspective? That's, I've that's heard of it. Like, I've heard of it. That's literally, how you, yeah, that's literally how you do it. You just make him taller in some scenes. I'm just saying that. 
haven't watched Mission Impossible and Jack Reacher and all those other movies, like the way this guy is like an assassin, Tom Cruise fits the role. All you got to do is make him a secret agent on the side. Other than that, I would say Tom Cruise is like her creepy friend that tries to make out with her at the bar. Jose. Damn it. That was my guy. Like, what the fuck? I'm sorry. Man. All right, all right. Tom Jason, Cruise cameo. Tom Cruise in this movie. Who would yeah, it be? You guys stole my. my I wanted. Guy. I want to do Jose. I want. I thought Jose would have been a good one too. The, um, the other one that I was thinking of too was the brother. Oh, um, Elliot. Was the brother? Yeah. I thought the brother like. He's in a, a couple scenes, I think. At yeah. Most. At the beginning, uh, yeah. In the beginning, and then they show another scene at the apartment. But uh, yeah, he could have been the, the the brother. I mean, of course, the obvious choice is Christian Grey. But it's like, I feel like the brother maybe tall. Yeah. Tall. I think but the, Tom I think, Cruise, take my breath away. There's no way. Oh, I see what you did there. But Tom Cruise cannot be Christian Grey. No. There's uh, no way. In some sort of weird world, he's he can. you know. But Jamie Dornan can tall. Yeah. Jamie Dornan's five foot six. No, he's not. I don't care about height. I'm talking about like Tom Cruise is five six. Jamie Dornan is not. How many, he's how not. How tall is Jamie Dornan? Anyways, um, I'm gonna go with the the best friend. What's his name again? Jose. Uh, Jose. Jose. <laughs> name a guy's name that starts with letter H. Jose. Okay, I'm gonna go with Jose. You know, um, yeah, that's that's what I got. But. Uh, in depth though, how much are we giving this movie? We're giving it at one dollar, oh, right? One dollar. We have to give it one dollar. Anyone else got anything to say? No. I no. just, I want to be done with this fucking franchise. Jamie yeah, Dornan is five of eleven. Okay, there Jamie is. Dornan is a hot two inches taller than me. I can be Christian Grey. And on that note, <laughs> later's baby. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Twenty Dollar Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20Ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening.